darlings, and welcome to Monstrous Femme. This is the horror podcast by women and queer people for women and queer people, with a special focus on examining the idea of the monstrous feminine as it appears in media, pop culture, and everyday life. I'm Lil Theone, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mickey Smith, as well as a special guest, one of the staff writers of our magazine, Daniel Sokoloff. Welcome, Daniel. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, sure, I'll do that. That sounds like a time. Uh, so yeah, I'm, da- I'm Daniel, Daniel Sokoloff. Daniel for short. Anyway, uh, you know, I write <laughs> novels, uh, demonlandbooks.com. Go there or don't. It's not a big deal. Uh, also follow me on Instagram, Loki Wolfather, all one word, uh, Loki spelled L-O-K-E. And yeah, I also contribute and write for Monstrous Femme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Very fascinating stories that are a ton of fun and everybody should read them. Quick plug for you. I'll plug you on your behalf. Um, you're, you're also Loki Wolfather. Such a great name. And um, for people that don't know, he also uses it in our Discord and it's great. Um, your Instagram name. How'd you come up with the Wolf Father? Where did that come from? Oh, I mean, Loki is the father of the wolf, right? I mean, you know, Fenris yeah. is his oldest son, you know? Yeah, this shows how much uh, I know. Loki. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, where did uh, that part come from? I always yeah. had like an affinity for the character of Loki and the mythology mm-hmm. and so on. And my friend just kind of like when they re- when they found out I liked the Thor comic, they just called me Loki, and I just rolled with it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. And uh, the Wolf Father, I think, adds uh, it adds even more. So, also, quick mention up top: um, our other co-host Ophelia Lovejoy will not be joining us in this episode. She is not feeling well this month, and we wish them all the best in their recovery. And hopefully, they are feeling better in January and can join us then. Uh, but for now, it's just going to be the three of us. Um, how is everyone doing today? How are you, Mickey? What's going on over with you? Bro, I'm good. I finished an embroidery project yesterday. Ooh. Um, made a cute little cloth poster with a rose inspired by an old Japanese um, like cigarette case. Ooh. And uh, I'm on my fourth cup of coffee. And so Ooh. I'm actually chill. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been chugging like a pot of coffee every day since I was 13. So. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. That's like half my life. Ew. Whoa, passage of time just hit me. I know. <laughs> My birthday's yeah. next month. And so I'm like, ah! passage oh, of time. Sound, we're all going to sound like smokers by the time we're 50, man. All the coffee we drink. Girl, I don't drink. And I'm a coffee. smoker. Like, it's not good. <laughs> I guess I'm the odd man out. I don't drink coffee at all. I can't, I can't handle the taste. Um, but I make up for it with booze. So <laughs> oh, well. I can't That's afford my, booze. Yeah. In Canada, <laughs> that shit's expect like barefoot yeah. wine. That's at least minimum eleven or twelve dollars a bottle. Barefoot. Yeah. <laughs> Call yourself a writer and you don't drink. <laughs> yeah, blasphemy. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, I. I wish I could. <laughs> both my parents own bars. Um, oh. And- <laughs> And um, I have a lot of very vivid memories of spending a lot of time in the bar that my dad started, but then my mom took over and runs now uh, in San Francisco. Okay, well, to be to be fair, my my grandpa, my poppy, he would hold me in his arms when I was a tiny baby. And uh, my my mom walked in and he was like feeding me Bud Light as if from a baby bottle. And she was like, what the hell are you doing to my kid? And he's like, Loves Bud Light. True American here. <laughs> Bud Light, aren't they the ones that are in trouble right now for being pro-gay? So I guess he was ahead of his time. I don't know. No, 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 no. Poppy died a long time ago. He was an asshole. <laughs> Very homophobic oh, okay. and sexist. 
Never he was doing it for problematic reasons. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he'd he'd be out there shooting them with a the shotgun right now. Oh, oh for okay. sure. Oh, oh, so you met Poppy Dan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you met him? Got it. <laughs> hey, yeah. The intellectual acumen of a you know Kid Rock there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So that's a lot of my childhood memories are at a bar. Funnily enough. I'm just imagining like kindergarten Lilith at the bar, like stressing yeah. over coloring homework. Like I'm gonna need a <laughs> shot of Hennessy for this. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's very accurate. Honestly, this needs glitter um, glue, mom. I can't get through this. <laughs> for the listeners at home, we're hoping to cover some Christmas material in this episode, or Christmas tangentially related Christmas material, holiday material, Hanukkah related material, Christmas horror stuff, whatever. Throw in the jingle bells. Yeah, we're gonna hopefully we be getting into the lights. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, I can hop right in. And my first thing that I have on just my questions and topics list here is thoughts and feelings on this time of year and the Christmas holiday, which is a pretty broad question. <laughs> but we can jump right into it if, if either or both of you feel like you have something to say to that broad, broad question right off the bat. Or we can sure. kind of. Uh, all right, all right. Go ahead, Daniel. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in hearing your, your two cents. All right. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I, I hate Christmas. It's it's the worst. Uh, I I actually had a bit of a I had a really weird arc when getting ready for this podcast where like I, I on principle hate Christmas. My friends call me Uncle Scrooge. Like I I just it annoys me because mm. um, so much of it is insincere. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I actually sat down to watch a few movies. And, you know, obviously I read a Mr. Mr. Um, God damn it. What's wrong with me? Mr. Dickens is a Christmas Carol, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and I was like, whoa, whoa, I, I actually like the Scrooge guy. You know, it's all making sense. Um, I watched the 38 <laughs> movie. I watched the Disney one and then I watched Miracle on 34th Street and I was getting into it because I was kind of mm -hmm. like joy to men, you know, good times, feeling good, you know, like yeah. I, it made me think about the winter solstice, like how uh, it always makes me think about the uh, the hanged man tarot card, you know. You're just there waiting for rebirth, which might not come, but it might come, you know, and you're just there. And winter's the time to die and come back. And then I watched a few more things and heard some Christmas carols. And I remembered that. See, the thing is, is that like when I think about the war on Christmas and all this weird stuff, it reminds yeah. me that like, like as a Jew, I'm kind of an outsider here, even though like. You know, people act like they carry us and they love us and stuff. It's like saying happy holidays triggers certain people. Like, it's yeah. a problem. Yeah. And like, like I was watching A Christmas Story today. It's the first time I've ever seen it. And I felt like I was watching a movie from an alien planet. Like, you have all these white bread people. And like, like they're talking about Santa Claus and like... It, it, like, it reminded me of those episodes of Star Trek where you go to the Klingon homeworld and they all have the same religion and stuff, you know? Oh, and it's like, yeah, and it's like, it's like it all comes back to that Jesus stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 my issue with that. And that's my issue with any kind of like special or movies. If it gets into the Jesus-y territory, I'm I'm out of there. And that's my problem with the, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. I think it's really cute. 
then it goes into the Jesus stuff, and I'm like, mm, not for me. <laughs> but um, otherwise, I like it. I'm, but I'm, I'm definitely somebody that likes secular Christmas entertainment. Um, and when it's totally secular, then I'm like, I'm here for it. If it's, if it's something that like treats Santa as its Jesus figure and does not have Jesus actually in it, I'm like, okay, that works for me. But if it's, although those allegories can be problematic and weird. Um, one movie that I want to talk about. I have a lot of thoughts on the Polar Express movie, which people are very mean about. I think it's a really interesting movie. I think it's got some weird messages in there. I had a whole conspiracy a few years ago that it's like, oh, it's like the the Son, the Father, and the Holy Ghost. And now when I've been like rethinking about that as I've been preparing for this podcast, I'm like, I don't know if that that theory really stands up to scrutiny but it's an interesting idea because it has tom hanks uh for people that don't know he's basically playing like every role in that movie at least in some way his face is like every character and then his voice is like most of the characters except not the little boy but his face is the little boys and it's it's very weird that movie is such a weird time and people love to hate it because it's so creepy but i'm like no the creepiness is the point it's a very unsettling weird movie you watch it and you feel unsettled and like that's the whole thing like the animation's creepy and it works because it's a scary movie i've always seen it as like basically a horror adjacent christmas movie might not be going for that but it's succeeding in, in getting that vibe uh i won't get into it now though um but i i feel you on that because it is it's a weird time obviously um to be jewish and you do feel outside of it in a lot of ways i think for me it's a little complicated because i grew up very like completely irreligious um and we did celebrate a secular version of christmas so i grew up not feeling really outside of it because and also my dad's not jewish so like i kind of could get away with celebrate for that reason too but also my mom like doesn't care she's never seen it as a religious holiday in fact funny story when i was very young i did not realize that it had anything to do with jesus <laughs> And um, was I mean, like, it, I mean, I, it, re it really doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll, it really we'll get doesn't. into that later. <laughs> yeah, but I was like completely clueless, and how I ended up finding out that it had something to do with Jesus. True story is from the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, the Disney <laughs> Channel series. Um, they had a Christmas episode that was like a whole allegory for Jesus. And, which is weird really? looking back on it it's like wow i can't believe the disney Channel would have gone that route but in the early 2000s it was a different time you know george w bush is in office it was like okay let's go heavy on this so they did a whole weird um christian allegory for their christmas episode one of their christmas episodes um and the idea was that there was like a pregnant couple that came to their hotel and there was no room for them and it was like a whole thing and then oh they like <laughs> yeah. they oh, really no. did the whole thing oh, and then they felt the <laughs> Yeah, they felt the need to spell it out for the audience. So they have at one point all the characters being like, wait a second. Think about this. There's a pregnant couple here and there's no room for them at the end. And all the characters are like basically saying one line of the Jesus birth origin no. Christmas story. And I did not understand it. I was like, what are they talking about? Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that, that had anything to do with Christmas. And then for a while after that, I was like, I don't get, I still don't get how that has to do with Jesus. Because when Jesus was born, there weren't hotels back then. <laughs> <laughs> that was my logic at five years old. I was very much like, this doesn't make sense. I was not a super intelligent five year old. I'll that's just how, admit like, that right now. That, that's kind of like how when um when I was younger, like I was in yeshiva, which is like Jewish religious school. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, it was great, and um, <laughs> we were 
it's funny because like we were all Jews, so nerd culture was just the norm. Like we all played yeah. Magic the Gathering and stuff and read the Lord of the Rings. And we were all reading Narnia, and we'd all been told that this was a Christian allegory, but we didn't know what that was. Like, mm. we didn't know. Like, where's the Jesus? There's a talking lion. Like, what's up? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I also, I, I never got around to reading the books when I was a kid, but I did see the, again, Disney movies of that. And, um, yeah, any, I don't know how much they kept any kind of Christian symbolism in the movies, because I have not watched them since I was a literal child. But any Christian symbolism they did choose to keep went right over my head because I would not have been in the age range to to identify any of it. Um, and so what about you, Mickey? How do you feel about Christmas? Are you pro-Christmas? Are you anti-Christmas? Where do you fall? Yeah. So uh, when I was younger, um, my mom, the like church secretary lady, not because she was very religious. My family isn't very religious, just because it job and it had free daycare for the kids mm -hmm. so that was really helpful because my dad worked for the boy scouts of america and was on business trips very often doing jamborees and things and so you know free child care and also she gets to you know work as a secretary and it was at a methodist church um and i remember going to christmas mass a couple of times as a very very little child but i didn't understand like the religious connotations i was just like oh my god my mom's gonna do my hair pretty and i get to wear a velvet dress and that's mm. like the best thing ever huh. and so i wasn't raised very religiously and so christmas for me was never a very religious thing mm -hmm. um and when i was younger the magic of christmas was very real to me um like all gathering together to watch actually Dan, a Christmas story was the Christmas movie that my family grew up with. That's what we would watch every single year. And I quote it even during non Christmas times, just because I think it's so funny and charming. Um, and I mean, it was mostly just surrounding family time. That's what Christmas mm -hmm. was about. Everybody gathering together and unwrapping presents and having like a special breakfast slash brunch and just all spending the day in our pajamas watching movies and um maybe going out for like a snowball fight or something or making uh, uh snowmen and my my mom would always put hula skirts and coconut bras on the snowmen <laughs> um yeah so and then as i've grown up Things about Christmas have definitely lost their luster. Um, as an adult, I don't really celebrate Christmas very much, and I find myself having to force myself into the Christmas spirit as time mm. goes on, especially this year, because yeah. I don't have the money to buy people gifts, and I don't have the time to make gifts because I'm working so much just to try to, like, you know, live in a city <laughs> in Canada, which is expensive. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I've just been trying really hard to tell everybody, like, I'm not doing Christmas this year. I want to focus more on, like, New Year's because that's that's a very special spiritual time for me. Mm. Very much like what Dan was describing, that that death and rebirth. I, I think that the New Year's really, really reigns that in for me. And that's what I like. But, like, as a kid, Christmas was very special. And there was a lot of, like, rituals surrounding it like putting out carrots for the reindeer 
leaving mm. out milk and cookies, lighting, writing a letter to Santa describing all the good things I did this year, all the things that I'm proud of in hopes of like appeasing this mystical person who's going to come into my house and give me presents. Mm. Um, but sometimes my dad would even, my mom hated this, but my dad would put on like big boots and go stomp in the mud and then like track the mud through the house as if Santa oh. came in. And like thinking about that now as an adult, I'm like, oh, okay. So you're staging a break-in. <laughs> cool. A break-in who then eats my food and then dips. <laughs> like that's <laughs> fucked up. Um, and like, there's a lot of little rituals nowadays where as an adult, I'm like, I don't think I fuck with that. Like elf on a shelf. Yeah. I've never right. gotten that either. That's creepy. There, there's it's a Jewish version. Creepy. There oh, is. yeah the um, it's really it's really bad it's called the mench on the bench yeah. yes i knew it i couldn't yeah. think of the what name it's, it's a mench on a little, bench <laughs> it's a little it's a little man little little jewish gentleman he sits on the bench and uh i don't know are I you guess familiar with the term mench mickey i am not it's a gentleman yeah he yeah. he reports to hanukkah harry i guess i don't know i wasn't informed i wasn't at yeah, the, so I was at he's the, a little the, yeah, yeah go ahead Nah, I was just gonna say, you know, I'm, I haven't gotten checked my Juminati, uh, you know, <laughs> membership in a while. Yeah, he's a little old man. Um, so that's like, not creepy like at a all. Cute old man. I guess. I mean, um, I guess you're. I mean, be, your mileage may vary. He's supposed to be a rabbi, I think. You know. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. like, it's just, it's we we just don't have. See, that's the thing about about Judaism. We don't have that mythology. We don't have yeah. Father Hanukkah or whatever. Like no. Hanukkah, like the, the big story is uh, the Maccabees slaughtering the Greek army and, you know, the the oil lasting for eight days. Like it's not really, you know. Yeah, yeah. We didn't hijack a Scandinavian holiday, you know, yeah. to make Hanukkah yeah. like, yeah. you know. Yeah. And like, I think we can take pride in that, but also be like, oh, damn, now it's catching up to us. But um, I I tried writing last year. Or I did write. I don't know how successfully because I've not revisited it. Um, a children's book that was like, I want to give Jewish kids like a Santa figure that's not mentioned. Oh. Um, and it was weird. <laughs> I don't know why. I decided well, I was cause... like, I wanted to give a Santa figure. So I went with and I wanted it to be a woman. And so I went with like a woman that is like stuck in the 1970s perpetually and like looked in my head like Gilda Radner on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and I don't know why that was what I went with, but that's what I went with. Um, Like an immortal woman from the 70s who now will perpetually dress in style like she's in the 70s because that, like I wanted it to be more modern than Santa Claus, but not all the way modern. So like it's recent, but it's not, she's not all the way up to date. Like she's been, she's been around for a minute. Um, So that's what I went with. And I don't, I don't know why that was that was what I chose. Um, and I don't know how good it is because I've never revisited it. And I'm inclined to think it's probably not that good. I think I might have written it while I was drunk. Because it seems like something I would have done while drunk. But, you know, I made an effort. I tried. I mean, um, you could corner yeah. the market. I mean, have you seen some of the Hanukkah books that are out there? They're bizarre. Like the, the yeah. Latka that wouldn't cool. stop screaming by Lemony Snicket. Like, what is that? It's I just a lot. It's a laka that won't stop screaming, and then they eat it with applesauce, and that's it. That's like, terrifying. Wow. And well, then that gets, that yeah, gets to I'm, the heart of the creepiness of the season. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Enough said. I mean, like, the entire idea of, like, the modern Santa Claus and, like, the elf on the shelf thing is, it's very odd. And I feel like the modern idea of Christmas, modern as in, like, within the last 
15 years Mm -hmm. is it's very surveillance heavy and it's very just commercialism. And I think that's why it's lost a bit of its luster to me because with Elf on the Shelf, the entire idea is it's this little elf that lives in your home with for the for the holiday season and every day he does some shenanigan to see if the kid will react poorly do something bad uh and then if if the kid is good the elf will go back to santa and be like yep hey boys this this kid's good you can drop off the presents or um in that accent definitely yeah i'm not sure why the elves are from Boston, like a bad Boston, but that's, I think, the lore I'm trying to create now. Yeah. Um, and then if they react poorly, then the elf will go back and be like, sorry, it's a bad kid. You can't come. Don't drop off presents. And like the parents will use it as, oh, the elf is watching. You better make good choices. You better eat your broccoli before you get up from the table. You better pick up your toys, things like that. And like, I've even seen tiktok videos of parents like pranking their children uh and blaming it on the little elf like making a big mess of their bedrooms or i saw this one that just like frustrated me quite a bit and maybe that was the point of it but the parent came into the children's bedroom while they were sleeping and snipped off like a big hole in their t-shirts like their sleeping shirts and then put the cloth and the scissors next to the elf like on their dresser and then in the morning, the mom came in. It's like, oh, my God, what happened to your shirt? This is such a nice shirt. Like, I paid good money for this. Da, da, da. And then the kids have to be like, the elf did it. And it's like, you have to take responsibility for your actions, kiddo. It wasn't the elf. And it's like, why are you gaslighting your six-year-old? <laughs> what I is was happening? Just about to say, I was about what to say fuck? that. Oh, I, I took that the wrong way. I thought it was like, oh, no, look, the elf cut your 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 shirt. It's real. But no, they're they're making it's a yeah. kid. Oh, but yeah, like also, no. yeah, the elf is real, and so like you need to make a good choice and be like, "I'm sorry, my shirt is ruined," or like something along those lines. I'm not sure what the parent yeah. was looking for. Yeah, no, there's no and rhyme or reason to it. It's if so if you stupid. make like the good choice and and choose to not get upset, then you then the the elf's gonna That's go back to Santa. That's a terrible lesson to teach. Don't get upset when somebody has done something wrong and is pinning the blame on you. Literally, <laughs> like, or like it on the chin. Even before Jeez. the elf on the shelf thing, which is like pretty recent, I think that's mm-hmm. that's only been around for maybe the past like ten years, eleven years, at least in popularity that I know of. The idea of Santa like see like viewing you at all times to deem whether you are good or bad is just very odd and it sits not well with me (laughs) okay is that is that odd to us though because we're all irreligious like that's what christians believe anyway right like yahweh's sitting up there on his cloud with an ak-47 like you know kind of like all right all right yeah that's it that's it go go for the pork or whatever your religion might be that doesn't you know it's like the surveillance state is yeah i mean that's just how the universe is set up for you know these monotheists these christ worshipers you know like, yeah, that's a and that's good, the thing is like a lot of like Christmas media, there is so much emphasis around you need to believe in Santa. You must believe in Santa. And at a certain point, it's like, are we meant to be taking this? It's like you must believe in 
God, you must believe in Christ, because it starts to sort of feel that way when people are so insistent that kids must believe in this thing, which, you know, adults know doesn't exist. And yet they act like you have to believe in this. And so much of like Christmas media, that is the ultimate message that it is really trying to send is you need to believe in Santa. You need to believe in Santa. And it's like, why is that the message that so much of this, so many movies and books and things want to really send? Have either of you read The Hogfather? No, I've not. Okay, it's a no, Discworld but... book. You, you know, uh, Terry Pratchett? Yes. Okay, cool. So, like, check it. So, um, what it is is, uh, you know, it's it's that thing where someone has to be Santa, but in, on Discworld, it's ho- the Hogfather. He's a horrible, giant pig man that brings presents to all the, all the kids of uh, Discworld. Nice. And, like, kind of what Death realizes is that the Hogfather is necessary because it's a small lie that gets kids to accept the big lies, like justice and, like, mm. peace and hope, which mm. makes the world actually exist in a livable state. And I think that's kind of cool. Like, the thing is with Miracle on 34th Street, which is a movie I really, really admired when I watched it, uh, I took it as straight fantasy. Santa's real. Go. You know what I mean? Um, right. I didn't approach it on the level of like you're supposed to believe Santa's real and therefore God and so on and so it's not it's not training wheels for believing in God. I mean, I took it for that Santa's real, right? But I didn't think about that as Santa uh, as training wheels for believing in God. You know, that's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, well, it's also interesting because Santa Claus is not originally God. It's Saint Nicholas, who's like an actual patron saint. Mm-hmm. And well, uh, well, well, he's. Uh, he- He's a lot of things, right? <laughs> I guess, but like Saint Nicholas was like a real person back in the 300s. I think he was born in Turkey. And yeah. he's the patron saint of um I think children and brewers and students. Uh, oh, of course patron saints are the patrons of like a whole bunch of random shit. Uh usually connected to their martyrdom, but I could not find a martyr for Saint Nicholas. But the feast day of St. Nicholas is the 25th, which is Christmas. And the idea of St. Nicholas came to the U.S. via um, Dutch people moving to New York in like the 1800s and celebrating the feast day of St. Nicholas or um, like Santa Claus. And then Mm. I'm definitely butchering that. So sorry to Dutch people. (laughs) My bad. Um, but then that was like the shortened version then suddenly became slowly became Santa Claus. And like the patron or the Saint Nicholas, he did actually help children. And, and he's also a patron saint of gift giving, uh, like secret gift giving like this. OK, sorry. Patron saints are like my big thing. I really like talking about them. Uh, mm-hmm. Where Lilith goes off about the Polar Express, I go off about saints. <laughs> Not religious. <laughs> I just think that they're really fascinating. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but well, he, well, they're the lesser gods in uh, Catholicism, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Right. Like they've they've been raised to saintdom because of the mm-hmm. things that they've done in their lives. Um, so there's two stories of his miracles. One being he. Basically, he his parents died and left him with a lot of wealth, and so he redistributed it. One family that he did this to was a a poor father with his three daughters who he was going to have to sell to prostitution because he didn't have a dowry to give them so then he could marry them off. And St. Nicholas came with a 
bag of gold coins and in the middle of the night just dropped it off in in their house and uh the father was able to take that dowry and marry off one of his daughters and give her a better life and he did that multiple times for the third daughter saint nicholas came and the father was waiting up because he's like who's dropping off these coins what's going on and he catches saint nicholas in the act and he's like oh my god thank you much you're changing my life literally and saint nicholas is not ever mention what i'm doing because i don't want you to feel embarrassed for my gift giving and i don't want you to feel like you have to thank me for this i'm doing this out of the goodness of my own heart i don't want your daughters to suffer and i don't want you to suffer with the guilt of having to sell your daughters um another story of his that's fucked up but the people back in the day loved it. They thought it was so cool. They told the story all the time on his feast day was he was traveling around in a, and he stopped off in a town. He would go and help people in poor towns. And this town was going through a famine. And so some butcher, <laughs> some butcher got three kids and chopped them up and um, put them in pickling salts and <laughs> pickling agents and he's going to sell them as hams. And St. Nicholas saw that and was like, yo, what the fuck? That's not cool. <laughs> he, he goes in front of the barrel of pickling child body parts. He does the sign of the cross. Kids are brought back to life. I'm uh. guessing also put back together. <laughs> not just a pile of parts. And um, that, that miracle that he performed of doing the cross and then resurrecting the children and and showing the town what the butcher was doing and probably getting him killed because he was going to force child cannibalism on people. Um, he, that was shown in a lot of different uh, stained glass windows and uh, paintings of St. Nicholas standing in front of like three little naked kids in a barrel. And that is actually how he was deemed the patron saint of children. Because people misinterpreted what that what that painting was, mm. they thought that you know he's uh. he's there for the kids, and so that whole idea is what's been celebrated in a lot of different countries, and uh, then that was brought to the U.S. and then that's how we got Santa Claus, or gift giver, who is for the children, and so that's where that comes from. And if my Santa Claus was helping chopped up kids and helping people being forced into uh, prostitution and slavery, I think I would dig him more and not just some guy on the Coke can uh, who gives me presents sometimes if I'm good. I think what I remember the Dutch or whatever it was, I think how they would pronounce it as Sinterklaas, but I yeah. could be wrong. Yeah, I remember that and hearing that that's how Santa Claus, what that evolved from. Um, and that's like as about as much as I know about... Um, St. Nicholas is that he's possibly the saint of New York. He was Santa Claus before he was Santa. Or, well, that's not really about him, but something tangentially related. And then um, also that he was from Turkey. Those are my fun facts. So you already yes. covered all those, but there's a less good version. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's really interesting that you know all that. And I think that it is interesting because, I mean, that would be imagine if what the holiday would look like if that's really still what we associated with him with like he's you know anti-cannibalism 
And we were Ooh. like, like that would be a really interesting holiday. The break thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, isn't Santa a bit of an amalgamation though? I mean, the. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Christmas you know, the, itself is an amalgamation. Well, yeah. But I mean, like the British, they have their like Father Christmas, right? I mean, he, yeah. he's like a scrawny dude with like, I don't know. Speaking of which, um, there's a very interesting thing that happens in my area every year at Christmas time, which is the Dickens Christmas Fair. Oh, and this is, you yeah. love a good fair. Yeah, I do. Um, I And this, I went to a lot when I was a kid, and I have a lot of fond memories of it. You go, and it's all Dickens-themed, obviously, as the name suggests. So it's like going into Victorian England. And um, it's really wild. And all these performers are very committed and stay totally in character and are dressed like everything from, you know, chimney sweeps to like high society, um, wealthy and beautiful dresses people and so many things in between. And um, there's also kids that are like, you know, pretending to be child laborers and stuff, you know, all that so, great stuff. So, 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 so basically it's a, it's a coal strewn dystopia, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting thing. And they have um they have shops and they have it's all everything looks like Victorian England and like you know places to eat and it's all themed appropriately and then they're like games the one that I loved a lot when I was younger is and this is like brutal and does not does not fit my personality because I'm very pro animal but there's a game where you would like knock down a um a like figure like a card not a cardboard cutout, why I'm saying that, but like a cutout of like a black cat that was like posed on a rooftop and you would throw shoes oh no. at it, like Victorian shoes and boots. <laughs> and you would fuck? throw it out Sad. this cutout. And until you knock <laughs> it over. And if you knocked it over successfully, then you would get like a prize. That's one game I remember very specifically. And I was very pro-animal, so it did not reflect my feelings toward cats or animals, but it was a fun game because I like be able to like grasp these like big heavy Victorian shoes and boots and to throw it until you knocked it over. And it's like it was fun. It's a it's a violent game. And they also have like Punch and Judy for people that are familiar with that weird victorian artifact they would do punch and judy shows which i found interesting as a child and last time i went when i was older and i tried to watch a little bit of it i was like oh i cannot take this at all it's very yeah it's, yeah, it's very um, loud yeah. yeah and it was it was so loud and i have no patience for that so i'm like okay i cannot watch any more than a minute of this but they have that it's very they really do the whole thing and it's a lot of it's very cool and they have father christmas and they also have which is fun they have um they have Scrooge and like various um various Christmas Carol characters and throughout the day because it's on it happens on the weekends I think Saturday and Sunday and so throughout like if you're there on a Saturday and you get there like early when they're first starting you'll see Scrooge as he was at the beginning of a Christmas Carol and if you stay there throughout the day you'll see him gradually change and you'll see the ghost showing him around and then at the end he'll be like rejoicing and trying to give everybody stuff and be all completely a changed man so like they pay really close attention to those little details which is fun and it's that's super rad yeah it's awesome. it's pretty cool it's pretty cool and um so i went that I did that a lot as a kid and um that's a lot of i have a lot of fond memories and like you can get like um somebody to like deliver a telegram for you so my mom would always do that i would be there with my friends and she would sneak off and order 
telegrams to be delivered to us, and then these like little kids would come <laughs> over and be shouting urchins. our names. Yeah. <laughs> they would shout our names, they would locate us, and then they would read off whatever she had written for us in front of everybody after having so it was like we were apart, and it was it's one of those things, you know, where it's like, and I, I just, it, it's amazing though, because like everybody's so in character, um, which can be really fun and also really bad for somebody like me because I'm very socially anxious and I don't want to be interacted with. But like, like whatever, I'm a big Broadway and off Broadway and general theater lover. I do not want to be interacted with though. I am like happy to watch other people be interacted with, but do not interact with me. I don't want to be part of the show. So that was always my fear when I was younger. And so like, I was not that into when she would have the telegrams. It's like, I don't want to be part of the show. And I went when I was like 16, I think. And I was dressed. um, I was somewhat scantily clad and a chimney sweep stopped me. And at first chided me for being scantily clad and then made it into a weird thing where he was like, but I'm so appreciative that you are dressed that yeah. way. Uh, <laughs> chimney sweep. No. Yeah, was no. Like, you need anything swept? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he was aware of how young I was or if he thought I was an adult. I'm hoping he thought I was an adult. Otherwise, it's it's a worse story. But um, so like things like that would happen. At one point when I was like, um, I think like five or six, we got my mom and myself got into a conversation with somebody that was like supposed to be a high society British woman. And she was going on and on about how important child labor is and how it's ridiculous. <laughs> people want to that's, abolish that's it. That's fantastic. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. So it's, you get different experiences depending on when and how you go. Um, and, but it's, it's a fun little, it's a fun little time. If anybody's in the San Francisco Bay area, it's an, it's an interesting thing to check out. But yeah, um, so that's something, and that's one of the things I associate now with Dickens and that sort of stuff. I'm also a big fan. I think the Disney um, Christmas Carol is a really good adaptation. So I was the, looking for an opportunity yeah. to bring it up, actually. Um, yeah, go Because ahead. you were talking about the Polar Express. And mm-hmm. yeah, people might think that's creepy, but see, you, you were describing all the horrible things you can see at the uh, Dickens Fair. And yeah. the, <laughs> the, the casual cruelty and po- extreme poverty and like just terribleness of victorian england really makes it a great setting for well ghost stories and horror yeah gothics Mm -hmm. like dickens wrote and that's the thing that disney christmas carol that was my favorite one because i watched i think three or four uh over the past week um and the zemeckis one is brilliant i mean it doesn't just capture like the the gaunt like like haggard features of scrooge the ghosts they all just, they radiate creepiness and, and otherworldliness. And it really brings you into the atmosphere of the time at which it was written. And it kind of makes you yearn for that, that warmth of Christmas that Dickens is really trying to impart to you, you know? And yeah. it was one of the first things I saw. And I was kind of like, whoa, if this is what Christmas really was then, hey, sign me the fuck up, man, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, ghost stories used to be a part of Christmas. Like, Christmas wasn't always, like, this super family-oriented, nostalgic holiday. It's only been that for, I think, a mm. couple hundred years. Before, it used to be, like, a festival. And you would, like, have all these feasts, and you would play pranks, and you would tell ghost stories, and it would just be, like week-long thing of just partying crazy style um and like it's interesting now because 
I was even looking into this b- before sitting down with boys. Why do we have Christmas horror movies? Like, why mm-hmm. why are we doing slashers Christmas? That's very interesting. And I learned about the history of it. It used mm-hmm. to be a, sto- a holiday where you would tell scary stories. And it's, it kind of harkens back to that idea of winter being a time of death and of, yeah. of rot. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it's it's very fascinating, and like only recently has it become this family oriented yeah. holiday. We need to put the death back in Christmas. Forget about the Christ back in Christmas. We need to I put agree. death more front and center. I mean, it looks like, also, like, really good on snow. Yeah, and also oh, yeah. it does, and also like think of how perfect that would be if we had Halloween during autumn, the season of things dying. And then we transition to like a dark gothic Christmas that's celebrating death and the season of death. Like that would be, that would be and then so. New Year's rebirth. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Bring, so... the Kramp- bring the Krampus marches to Philly. Bring them. Bring them. Come on. <laughs> oh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Yeah. Yeah. But I do. I love the. I love the Disney's Christmas Carol. I think it's really good. And um, my other favorite adaptation of a Christmas Carol is Scrooged. I will. I, I'm ride or die for that movie. It's not. It the pacing's not great, and it's not like it's not tonally consistent at all. If you're going in for like a movie that's like well paced and tonally consistent, don't go for Scrooged. But if you could ignore those things, it's very fun, and I really recommend it because it's. I think it's delightful, and um, it's just I, I don't know. I have a I, really good time. With the movie. I feel like they were channeling Ghostbusters with that movie. Like I really liked yeah. it too, and like yeah. I had that sense that it's supposed to be a horror comedy, but. Lean yeah. more into the horror elements, which, you know, yeah. I, I think that fiction tends to take its own life. And I think that, you know, you kind of can't yeah. help, you know, that but I, I liked it, too, for what it's worth. Yeah. I think it's worth it. I actually yeah. found um, who, who plays Scrooge. I can't remember. Is it Matthew McConaughey? Bill Murray. It was Bill Murray. Thank you. And. uh Yeah, I actually found him more reprehensible than any of the Scrooges in uh, the <laughs> Christmas carols. Yeah, yeah. He's very good at playing like loathsome smarmy characters that somehow are still charming and likable and you get that in ghostbusters and you get that also in scrooged i think like for me like you still like you root for him you want him to have this eventual you know i I don't want to say come to jesus moment but like come to jesus (laughs) moment at the end where then he redeems himself because like there is something likable and charming there but like yeah he's also very good at playing the asshole so it has both of i think that he does good with those sorts of roles and i think that scrooge does no exception scrooge is good at at uh preserving the creepiness and the disney version as well and i think that's really key because the creepiness is i think a lot of the fun of that story and I also think that with like Scrooge, there's that real irreverent tone running through it where it's like this comedy that's not taking itself too seriously. And I also think that helps it because that's kind of what I want for my Christmas entertainment for the most part. Although my favorite Christmas movie and my favorite movie of all time, they're the same thing, is Meet Me in St. Louis. And that is like, it is sentimental and it's very like, ugh. it's just a masterpiece though. Don't get me started. It's such a good movie. <laughs> And not enough people have seen it, and it drives me crazy. For anyone that does not know, and I'm assuming that's most people listening to this, um, if you know the song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, that is the origin of that song. It came from oh. Me in St. Louis. 
Um, and it has, of course, Judy Garland, the original singer of that song. She is in it and she is amazing. And the whole cast is amazing. And it has such good female characters. That's the thing. You know, it's from the 40s. It's set during the turn of the century, though. And even though it's from the 40s and set during the turn of the century, and so its female characters are kind of limited in terms of, or you would think they would be limited in terms of their agency, they really aren't. They're, like, very outspoken and, like, it's about basically a family and a group of sisters and they have one brother and like he immediately is sent away to college and like basically not seen for the whole rest of the movie which i think is iconic it's like very much we want to focus on the sisters forget about the brother and they have these two little younger sisters that are very um i I mean creepy sounds kind of insulting but they're kind of creepy little girls basically um and they're like real troublemakers and are tomboyish and like right away at the very beginning of the movie, um, one of the two younger girls is talking to their, um, I guess their maid and she's a cook or something. And like the maid slash cook is like being snarky with her and like makes a threat against her cat. Like just saying like, oh, I think I, you know, I think I might have let your cat out or something like she's like just kind of trying to get under her skin. And the younger sister responds by being like, if you hurt my cat, I'm going to like skin you alive. Like she says something really crap. Like I'm going to like hang you up by your feet. And it's like, wow. So that like gets you off to like a really interesting tone with the younger girls. And they keep that tone for the rest of the movie where they're like real troublemaking little weirdos with very dark imaginations. The other younger sister like talks at length about all of her dolls like dying and burying them in the backyard and like yeah this one's sick with this illness. So they have like very dark imaginations and they're just kind of not what you would expect I think from a movie from the 40s when you think of you know movies from the 40s and the way they portray female characters I don't think you tend to think of two weirdo little girls with dark imaginations and the older sisters are they're not they're very different than the younger two but they are both kind of they're also kind of scheming in their own way and they have um they're they're also very gutsy judy garland's character in particular is like such a badass at one point she thinks that this guy brutalized one of the younger sisters and it's a guy that she had a crush on and was really into and she goes over it goes over to his house and beats him up because she thinks that he did something terrible to her younger sister and like seriously harmed her younger sister so she beats him up while giving him a lecture about how she hates bullies and it's just iconic and then she finds out afterwards (laughs) that the sister made it up and then she has to go apologize but like that's just the thing is like they are really great female characters and i everybody should watch that movie it's a masterpiece go watch it that's all just hey it's your christmas movie um and it takes place throughout like every season of the year it starts in summer then you get fall and they do a really interesting scene that's like their halloween part of the movie because the thing is halloween was like obviously very very different at that point in time at the turn of the century it was like a wildly different holiday it was much more because halloween kind of rebranded basically to get kids to stop running amok but this was before the rebrand and so the idea is kind of this was when kids were still acting crazy on Halloween and going out and doing whatever the fuck they wanted basically. And so you get to kind of see that captured which I think is really fun because we don't have a lot of depictions of that in movies and TV how Halloween used to be like really like that way long ago. So it has a really interesting depiction of Halloween that's a lot of fun and then um, it goes from there to um, from there that's fall and then it goes to 
winter and then it has the whole Christmas stuff and it's really beautiful and you get to because it's a musical and also all the songs are really good but um then you get to have yourself a little Christmas scene and it's great and then it ends with spring so it's like you could watch it theoretically at any time of the year but the Christmas stuff is really good so I tend to watch it I usually watch it on Christmas Eve and I highly recommend it to anybody who is inclined to watch an older movie musical from the 40s <laughs> which, you know, I don't know how many people are inclined, but if you are, it is fantastic. So that's my favorite and I love it. Um, but the other Christmas stuff that I tend to be attracted to tends to be things that are a little bit more kind of like irreverent. You know, I'm a fan of like the Santa Claus, not the sequels, only the original because I do have some taste, but like <laughs> things like that that are just like kind of like goofy and funny and weird. I mean, that's a very, that's a very weird little movie. <laughs> But it's charming and it's weirdness, you know. I like the Gremlins. Yeah, Ooh, I was just—I was just about to blurt that out. I mean, that is—you do too. That is my favorite movie. Period. Um, well, no, that's <laughs> a lie. It's Frankenstein, but Gremlins is at least number three. I mean, my first bearded dragon was named Gizmo. Um, oh. I have Gremlins running up my my my, my shelves. I watch it every year. <laughs> It's the ultimate Christmas movie for me. And having watched a bunch of Christmas junk, it feels like the antithesis to a lot of that. And I think it's delightful. Mm. But Mickey, I don't want to steal your thunder. You brought it up. Go. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I hadn't seen it since I was a very little kid. And I just watched it recently with my friend Louise. Um, we had a little Gremlins night. And mm. we had little Gremlin cocktails and some pizza. Ooh. And it was fantastic. <laughs> You're going to have to yeah, send those cocktails, man. I, I want Gremlins cocktails. <laughs> Oh my god. So I can tell you a little bit about it. So for Halloween, Louise dressed up as a sleepy time bear from the from the tea yeah. box. Yeah. It's a good friend <laughs> of mine, I'm, yeah. I'm obsessed with. And they made vodka infused with sleepy time tea. Ooh. Um and so we had sleepy time vodka with blue curacao, tonic water, and orange juice. And it was like Thick and sickly green, just like the uh, the green of like <laughs> the gremlin guts. Yeah. I was upset, but I hadn't seen the gremlin since I was probably like nine years old. Oh my god! When I was a kid, it scared the shit out of me. I was so afraid of gremlins. I was so scared that like I was gonna take a bath and then a gremlin was gonna or a mogwai was gonna jump in and then become a gremlin. Like I was so terrified of that. Like I stopped taking baths for that year. I only showered because I was afraid of the gremlins getting me. <laughs> and I I slept with like all the lights on in the house. I'm like, if I see a gremlin, I gotta get it first before it gets me. Um, but now as an adult, I watched it, and it was so fucking funny. Mm -hmm. It. It's so slapstick. I love puppets too, like a Muppet Christmas Carol. Sign me up. I'm obsessed with puppets. That is that is the I, best Christmas Carol, by the way. I'm sorry, but Muppets Christmas like, Carol, like hello. I've never watched it. I feel so bad. <laughs> if I could spend my retirement just making puppets, <laughs> I think I would be a really happy person. Fuck yeah! Like on a cat in a, a cabin on the ocean, making puppets and writing novels. And smoking Ooh. a lot of weed. That's <laughs> my retirement plan. And I'm so excited for it. Wow. Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like there was also some parts of the gremlins that shook me to my core. Like the like the girl, the love interest, 
her being like, yeah, I lost my dad on Christmas. He was going down the chimney and he snapped his neck in, in his Santa suit. When some people are opening <laughs> presents, other people are opening their wrists. Literally! It's, I, my it's, jaw was on is, the floor when I heard that. Like, yeah. what the fuck? It's fucking preach, girl. You know, like, seriously. like I was so shocked. Yeah. And I also learned that Gremlins is the reason why we have a PG-13 rating for film. Is oh. that so? I, I, thought that I, was a, I thought that was Temple of Doom. I don't know. I just read something. I didn't oh, okay. fact check it, bud. <laughs> okay. 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 I, I didn't do thing. any extra Googling. I yeah. just saw that. That's and I was mood. like, work. Yeah. Gremlin. Yeah. We'll, we'll um, accept that as the truth because it's Christmas time. So like it, it, it should be true at this time of year, at least. It should be true yeah. because Gremlins is the best. The director, Joe Dante, is amazing. He made a Looney Tunes back in action also. Oh, I really? love that movie. I love yeah. that movie. Yeah, that's oh him. God. He's So the funny thing about Gremlins is it was big. It was like really big. And, you know, obviously uh, Warner Brothers being a bunch of frauds, they wanted to immediately make a sequel. Well, no one wanted to touch it. Um, they didn't want to screw Gremlins up because it has such a weird, excellent balance of horror, comedy, and that weird Spielbergian, you know, I don't know, nostalgia, 50s bait stuff. Yeah. And yeah, and like he had, you know, obviously, if you've seen Gremlins too, I mean, that movie just goes like full, like madman. Like, I, I, there are no words for Gremlins. You just watch it. I, 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 I can't do it justice. But uh, you know, they, <laughs> they didn't want to make that movie, and no one else wanted to touch it. And finally, they're like, "Look, we really want to sell more Gizmo dollies, so <laughs> just make your bizarre masterpiece." And he did. And uh, yeah, Gremlins too. See, I love Gremlins. Um, the fun thing about Gremlins is it is a Christmas movie. It is distinctly a Christmas movie. Yeah. Little Gizmo is a present for Billy Peltzer, but it goes deeper than that because, like, it, it's it's like an attack on suburbia and Christmas mm. in general. I mean, the dog at one point, like, the Gremlins hang the dog using those lights. and Yeah, that was fucked up. It is fucked up, and it's really sad, but at the same time, it's like... Those lights are those lights can be dangerous, but the bigger thing is that like, like, you have this entire town that's falling apart. Like you have that old man with who, like, all he wants to do is talk about cars, and nobody cares about him. Like his bartender, racist is, old man. <laughs> yeah, racist old man. But at the same time, I mean, that's that's small town America. Yeah, and you have this awful old lady who wants to kill Billy Pelter's dog, like the Wicked Witch of the West. And, and and she describes it in nasty detail. Yes, she's gonna put him in the in the dryer. I mean, like, whoa. Yeah. But she's also buying out a bunch of businesses to gut them. You know, like we have hello, we have systemic rot in this town, and it's Christmas time. Like, the big thing to me is the conclusion of the movie. I'm not gonna spoil it. I mean, it's it's freaking Gremlins. It's it's like what 30, 40 years old at this point. I think you should spoil it well, like it's fine well at the end of the movie um the big showdown between gizmo billy and uh uh stripe streak i can't remember i i just saw it too but the the evil gremlin it happens at a toy store it does and that's really what christmas is actually all about in america and i love that joe dante knew that when he was making it he wasn't just like using motifs that he you know were floating around like he was like fuck christmas this is what <laughs> it is right now you know 
And the ultimate irony is, yeah, I mean, that movie turned into a marketing bonanza for the studio. I mean, the big the big thing they were selling were gizmos with the little suction cups, and they would put them in the back of their cars, you know? Like, they even reference it in the second Kremlins, you know? They're like, oh, we, we, we could sell millions of these of this guy, you know? Mm. But, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that um, it sounds like then you could say that Gremlins are kind of like part of the Christmas extended canon of creepy or non-creepy characters. We have Santa, we have Krampus. I mean, you could throw Gremlins in there, but yeah. that, it's another it's another figure oh. to add to the canon. I'm wondering if, because I do, that's on my list of questions. Um is Christmas creepiness from Santa to Krampus. I think there's a lot of creepiness with Santa that we choose to kind of overlook, but, like, it's there. I mean, like, Mickey, like you were saying about, like, there's the kind of, like, sort of home invasion-y aspect of Santa. And I know for me personally, um, um, thing about me, and I mentioned this in a previous episode, but I cut it out because it got no reaction from you or Ophelia. <laughs> but I'm going to say it again, and hopefully this time it'll get some sort of reaction. Um, I have an irrational fear of costumed characters, like really right. intense irrational fear of costumed characters. So like I, you know, the ones that like Disneyland, any of the ones that, you know, you think of with costume characters, I, the ones that I'm most scared of are the ones that are big. So I tend to think Goofy and Pluto because those are tall and they have long noses. And for whatever reason, that makes it worse. <laughs> Ask hmm. my brain why. I don't know. But um, I have always been scared of them. And it's funny, my parents apparently took me to Disneyland when I was like a baby. And I was scared of them at that point. And I guess my dad confidently was like, well, she's going to outgrow it soon. And I proved him wrong <laughs> because wow. I never did. So to this day, I am terrified. And obviously, I have known, I've always known it's just a personal costume. I can't remember a time when I was ever, like, even when I was a very young child, I knew it was a personal costume. Did not help with my fear, though. Um, and so, like, that, for me, Santa, when I was younger, fell into that same umbrella. Now, that's not the case. Now I can see Santa's, at, like, the mall or whatever. It doesn't phase me. But for whatever reason, when I was younger, it fell into the same category to me in my weird brain so if ever i was seen like i could not be around a santa at the mall i would go running in the opposite direction and i was just terrified because he was in that same category for some reason as costume people and also like clowns i was scared of clowns when i was younger not scared of those anymore so i had like a lot of things it was a very broad category when i was younger but um so santa i really believed in him very much as a very young child I did not believe the mall Santas were real, though. I believe those were just people pretending to be Santa. But I believe there was a Santa. Mm. Um, but I also believed that I was terrified of him. So I would go to bed, like, ridiculously early on Christmas Eve because I was so <laughs> worried about running into him. And my mom was always like... <laughs> My mom wow. was always like, "It's so great that you go that you would go to bed so early." Because like, so much time, and I was, and she had no idea. And I was like, I had to tell her yourself. I was like, "Yeah, the reason I go to bed so early is because I was so scared of Santa, because I would never so tell her that." Was yeah, so I was very scared of him, and um, I mean, he's kind of he's kind of a creepy guy. Let's be honest with ourselves. He comes in, he wants milk and cookies, he eats your stuff, he walks into your house. I mean, he leaves presents. Yes. At what cost? He's violating <laughs> a sacrosanct environment when you think about it. And it's just, I mean, even also, there's so many creepy things with Santa. The fact that we have kids sit on his lap and take pictures often while they are crying. And we're like, this is part of the tradition. It's, and it's kind like, of funny. That, you know? I, That's I kind of funny. 
I, I kind of have something to add to that. Like, Go ahead. Yeah. So my mother really like, you know, I have like an antipathy towards Christmas. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, I, I kind of like Santa Claus, but that's another matter. Basically, my mother hated it. She hated everything to do with it. And, you know, my mm-hmm. grandmother, she was very secular and she, you know, she bought me some whatever Christmas coloring books. I didn't think anything of it. I was like four. Well, my mother tells me, I want you having that. I said, okay, why not? And she says, because Santa Claus is a child molester. Your grandmother grandmother is going to take you to the mall and you're going to sit on his lap because that's what child molesters do. And he's going to promise you toys. And I was like, wait, really? And she said, yeah, yeah. Don't let her take you. You know, if she tries to take you behind my back cry and i said i i will and for years i thought santa claus was a child molester and nobody knew about it and he was molesting kids in the mall and uh that's so fucked i mean i was gonna say mall santas are creepy not not because of what you just described but just like in general well yeah you don't know who that is you know and yeah you, you don't. he's not he's um, not a mad he's not a magic north pole man he's you know some yeah large man where, I mean, that's, yeah. where, I don't just know like how, how did Joe you wait until tree. now to tell us that you should have like opened with that story. You know, I, you know, I thought we were going to tell Christmas stories and I don't have them. I have Hanukkah that's stories, which are great less, less exciting. So I was going to save it. But that is, yeah, that is so, I mean, it's, I mean, it's my it's mother bad. is a character. I, I get yeah. to write about my mother. Like, the, you know, yeah. that is just one. Every story. Jewish mother is a character in somewhere or other. I mean, not to generalize, <laughs> but let's be honest here. Everyone is um, like, that's, that's. And that's why we shouldn't have mentioned a bunch. We should have like a Jewish mother on a something that rhymes with Jewish mother because that's a much more interesting. That is a great. That is a great point. Yeah. 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 But I think that no, that's so funny. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be laughing, but like, I it's like that's. Oh, you can laugh. I laugh about my mother all the time. I could see why that would be like. I mean, like, I get that you could make the argument of like, no, don't tell a kid that, but like, also that's so funny. Like, it's and hysterical. it's like true like it's true in the sense that like you don't know who those people at the mall are like i can understand why a parent would be creeped out and not want their kid to sit on that guy's lap like you don't know who this random man is i don't know here's a question someone i don't know this is i was gonna say somewhat niche but it's not really that niche um do either or both of you watch or what used to watch nathan for you no uh, I'm disappointed in you, Daniel, because I thought like every Jewish person watches it. I was like, Nikki might say no, but Daniel's going to say yes. I was so so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll do my homework. Yeah, you're letting us down. I watch. I think. I watch. I think you should leave. Does that count? That's got. Hey, I love that show. That's good. That's got. That's got some good Santa Claus stuff. Well, (laughs) I recommend. I recommend both of you, but especially you, Daniel, because I promise to watch it. You gotta, both of you should seek out um, the Christmas, well, it's not really a Christmas episode, but because uh, it kind of is. So basically, Nathan, for you, the premise for people that don't know is that Nathan Fielder works with people that are like struggling businesses and things um, and comes up with horrible ideas for them, but he pitches them with a very straight face and tells them to do these awful, ridiculous oh, things. Oh, wait a minute. Is this is this the dumb Starbucks guy? Yes. Yes. Oh, I've is. seen. I have seen this. Yes. I've okay. Good. Okay. Well, now you're. Okay. Now you're. Now. Now okay. it's settled. I'm happy to hear that. 
I was thinking. You're not thinking, disappointed in me anymore. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the dumb Starbucks thing is really, like, that was kind of the thing, the big thing that went viral. Um, and that was how I was first introduced, because I remember very vividly reading about the dumb Starbucks thing when it was going down, being like, what is this? I, hadn't, I did not watch the show at that time. But yeah. then years later, when I was depressed in college, I started binging it, and I got way too into it it's like become too big of a part of my personality at this point um and like you know nathan fielder is my number one celebrity crush i adore him um and i have talked about that on our discord so you guys are aware of this but to our listeners that's a big part of my personality and i like to refer to him amongst my friends as my sweet baby angel which i'm sure he would find <laughs> i think he would find that very charming and not at all scary and alarming and <laughs> like i need to get a restraining order against this person but anyway um he did one where he was working with a mall santa and the guy was so weird the guy that and he then would have him on i think he had him on at least once more he might have had him on a couple more episodes because he'd have people return but uh the mall santa guy was really just scary he had like a bunch of guns it's weird like like frightening vaguely conservative seeming guy and which is already nightmare feel in and of itself like to have somebody that seems like they could be a republican he doesn't outright say it but that's the vibe he's giving off and he's got guns mm -hmm. and you know he's got a beard and he's big and it's like okay i'm i'm terrified already and he apparently is a mall santa and um they the big idea that nathan has i think that he wants to start like trying to get the guy into like events year round not just at christmas time and then they like try to go to a mall but they can't get approval because i think the guy has like a some sort of like prison record or something and so then they're not able Whoa. to get like approval like he didn't do anything i can't remember what the details were he didn't do anything like super fucked up but like just the fact that he has like it was like a dui or something just the fact that he has okay. any kind of like existing criminal record they don't want to deal with him and so then nathan's solution to that is that they sneak into the mall nathan's dressed as an elf they bring all of this christmas stuff just in without permission or any kind of permit and they set it up impromptu and have him That's trying amazing. to take pictures with these kids yeah and then like almost immediately get kicked out kicked out and then when the security guards are kicking them out the like santa guy is is like vaguely threatening the security guards <laughs> because they're like you know trying to get them out of there and like one point the santa guy just turns to nathan and he's like nathan do you want me to stop him about one of the security guards that's Whoa. like what are you gonna do to him and it's like acting like he's gonna kick his Santa's ass packing. Yeah, it's so um, it's so unsettling, and so that really made me go, God, you just don't know what these mall Santas. You have no idea who they are in their everyday life, and like, I don't think that guy is, is weird with kids, but I do think he's a weird guy. I wouldn't necessarily want my kid sitting in his lap, you know. And so I don't know the whole thing with Santa. I'm I'm and small Santas and kids in love. That like that that just is such a weird tradition to me. And I think because I never participated in it because I was terrified of Santa. So that's not something I look back on with like rose colored glasses and be like, oh, it was, you know, charming when I was young. Cause like, no, to me, it was never charming <laughs> because it's just, it's always been weird to me. And the whole thing even... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just, I was I just gonna say I... even, whoa, 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 Dan, please go ahead. No, I'm so sorry. You're gonna say that and cut him off. Be like, whoa, 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 Daniel, please shut up. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I no. Just... <laughs> well, I <laughs> I just want to go on record saying I kind of like Santa and I think it's because I like bizarre weird things and I've seen mm. so many weird Santa Claus things like yeah. there's this Spanish movie from 1959 just called Santa Claus it's innocuous like oh cool 
this looks old and fun and you put it on and santa's got like a magic castle in space and terrifying robot yeah robot (laughs) reindeer and merlin the magician lives there and he goes to christmas yeah he he goes to earth to deliver the presents and satan sends a demon to stop him and like he, he gets chased into a tree and these dogs are trying to get him and like santa's screwed like it it's 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 kind of horrifying and there's like this little yeah. girl and like the devil's like trying to get her to be bad and he has like a life-size doll like going why do you want to be a good girl just steal the doll you don't need santa claus and like santa's fighting fighting back with toys and that's to me that's santa claus like i don't know that don't movie know. fucks severely dude what yeah nine, uh santa claus there's a mystery science theater version if you can't handle just watching it but, oh like it fantastic like i've watched oh my god there's rare exports which is like santa claus is a giant monster like deep in the ice like i i don't even like the thing yeah kind of it's 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 yeah it's pretty weird like i like the weird santa stuff like there's a comic book called klaus where santa's a superhero but instead of like reindeer he has like giant wolves that oh, his <laughs> yeah, and he's got like winter powers. Like he can summon giant nice. snowballs, and like yeah, like I, I kind of like Santa. Like I don't know. <laughs> Abstracted well, of from course, like, you're the you're the father of wolves. Of course, that's gonna appeal to you. Well, you know, yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry to have cut you off, Mickey. Oh no, it's <laughs> so bad right now. Like I just wanted to, I just wanted to spurg out about Santa Claus for a minute. No, it's great. It's <laughs> Right. I think that's a very that's a very valid point. Is that the weirdness of Santa? Is he is part bizarre. Of the yeah, it is a very it's so strange. And you made me think of something that I will say, but I'm gonna wait for Mickey to go first because Mickey <laughs> <Sorry>. has. <a> <laughs> Dan just really cracked me up. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we have fun here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say the mall Santa and a Christmas stories scary Ooh. um i thought he was like, great he, he just pushes push ralphie down with this boot <laughs> yeah. oh that's it's hilarious but to ralphie he's scary because yeah. the entire time for it's the movie horrible. wanting yeah. this yeah. red rider bb gun and everybody's saying no no you're not gonna get it and so he goes to santa and he's like this is my last chance like santa magical guy above all else he will grant me what i want and like the walk up to santa you're having like this angry elf lady hollering at you like stop dragging your feet yeah and they like twist the kid around and the kid's like all discombobulated then sat down on this guy's lap and uh ralphie like loses his words i I don't know if from fear because like the camera lens becomes a fisheye lens mm. of the Santa like staring at you. And uh, he asked for a Red Rider BB gun after uh, crawling back up the back up the slide after <laughs> after being set down on it. Mm. And Santa also says, you're going to shoot your eye out, kid, and then pushes him down with his boot. <laughs> and like it just kind of breaks ralphie and i just i so distinctly remember that and as a child thinking that's why i don't like mall santa (laughs) that's why like this is the reason i don't think i was ever like the crier for mall santas i never got sat on the lap and started crying there are pictures of me sat on santa's lap i was only three maybe four 
So I don't remember it. But apparently all I would ask for is a book. And Aww. that's all I could say is just book, book, please. So your personality <laughs> like, like has it. been consistent then. <laughs> You've always been in I... books. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, and then I also wanted to bring up the whole, uh, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus thing. Oh, that's a good, that's a good one to bring up. Yeah. What, what do you guys think of that? Because... Now Santa not only has broken into your home, but he seduced your mom. He has wrecked your home by breaking into it and wrecked your home by breaking up your parents' relationship. I mean, he'd be what a better hell? stepdad than most of the ones I had. I mean, he only shows up one time a year, but he's cool about it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. It's more than my dad. Yeah. Does, <laughs> I like the idea of First of all, depicting Santa, which uh, this is maybe a fucked up thing to say. I don't know how to say this in a way that's not going to come across as concerning. But I like the idea of depicting Santa as like, you know, a character with flaws and human temptations and things. And so I'm I'm kind of attracted to the idea of a Santa that like has sex, you know, and this is one of the, one of the reasons I like the Santa Claus movie is I say movie because I pretend the sequels don't exist. But uh, and it's very true of the sequels also, but I pretend they don't exist. Is that in the Santa Claus, you know, like that's a Santa that's just a guy. And like that's a Santa that, you know, is divorced and has a kid. And that's like interesting to me, the idea of a Santa that like, yeah, this is a Santa that has had sex. This is not your virginal Santa that's like, you know, oh, he's dolly little, you know, kind of vaguely Christ like. No, this is just some guy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's and that's kind of an interesting idea with and I think it's interesting, too, because like you can interpret that song, you know, obviously in two ways. You can interpret it as like, here's a kid who's maybe seeing his dad dressed up as Santa and doesn't realize his dad is dressed up as Santa. And it's kiss and he's kissing his mom because they're in a relationship, but he thinks that it's Santa. And so he sees mm. this and he's misconstrued what he's seeing. <laughs> or the more fun version, Santa's a homewrecker and Santa is here to <laughs> Which is my Dilf Santa. <laughs> yeah. <Jeez>. And like <laughs> just the idea of that, like that's so chaotic to think of Santa as like, what if he's, you know, coming and visiting houses, not just because like, oh, I want I love children. I want to give gifts. What if he's like I love cookies. I love milk. I love making out with married women. Like, what if he's, he's... getting that extra serving of cookie? I yeah. Housewives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. What if he's this, you know, this very, um, you know, could be somewhat lecherous guy. Let's just, you know. What if he's hot? <laughs> yes. What if he's hot? I thought you were going to say for some reason, what if he's high? Which could also be another thing. What if he's high? What if he's stoner Santa seeking out cookies because he needs to sate his stoner cravings? No, I and think he's hot and he's he's tuckered out from all. He's so tired from so many housewives. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of then goes back to this idea of like, I think so much of Christmas and our like ideas around it kind of are interlinked with like a perfect suburban picture of like you know little snow covered lawns and white picket fences and blah 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 and the idea of um sort of subverting that or corrupting that i think is really interesting it also ties in nicely with the monstrous feminine which of course i had to bring up at some point during this episode as mm -hmm. awkwardly as i could um because i think that the monstrous feminine i think a lot of times in like in modern works i think when i especially like if we're thinking of like um kind of what the ideal woman is in contemporary semi-contemporary like american works we might think of like 
housewife, you know, suburban mother, that sort of thing. That's kind of like the ideal woman after she, you know, reaches a certain age and then she's raising kids and she's a mom and she's non-threatening and she's in suburbia or whatever. And so kind of the idea of, of subverting that or challenging that is an interesting one. And I think that the mommy kissing Santa Claus kind of goes back to that as like, what if mommy, the suburban mother of a child, instead of, you know, being a good mother on Christmas Eve and just being all, you know, uh, pure and innocent, what if she's getting some? What if she's, you know, macking down and having some fun yeah. and being kind of scandalous and being kind of promiscuous, dare you say, and maybe cheating on her spouse? Like, this is a, it's a fun idea. It's also one of the reasons why I love the show Desperate Housewives so much, Plugged to Desperate Housewives, because it's such a uh, dismantlement of suburbia and what we think of as housewives and it's like it's so subversive and it's so gay and it's so it's like such a like real indictment kind of of and a a satire and a send-up and all these different things of our ideas of suburbia and our ideas of mothers and housewives and it really it's such a good show it's a, a weird brand and plug but um on the topic of suburbia and challenging it i think that that show is a good example of kind of that same sort of vibe where it's like showing these women as like multifaceted complicated not well behaved promiscuous whatever and it's it's fascinating and fun and frothy and anything that gives us a little bit of that and so like you know I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, you know, good for mommy. She got some action mm-hmm. and she got I it with mean, a famous guy too. Like, you know, that's like, that's part of get that. some bragging rights, you know, you get some bragging rights from saying I got, I made out with Santa Claus. I mean, nobody will believe you. That's the downside. But um, <laughs> there's also like that sugar daddy asks yes. Santa baby. Yes. Yes. Where I'm it seems like that as a kid, she has the, the, the protagonist of that song character that song has santa wrapped around her finger yes yes and you know i was exerting power over this all-powerful omnipotent omnipresent being who surveys everybody and can make your wishes true Mm -hmm. this woman with Mm -hmm. her feminine wiles is is able to coerce this magical man Mm, yeah to do her bidding that's cool yeah yeah, and it's such a it's such a weird song. It's amazing. Oh, that I'm it's become, so into it. Oh, I am too. But it's amazing that it's become like a staple because you would not think it would. Like you think of Christmas songs and like what they tend to be about, and then Santa Baby is just such an odd man out of like the classic Christmas songs. But that's what makes it so great. And um, Eartha Kitt is amazing. Also, just random plug for yes. Kitt. I'm just randomly plugging people throughout this episode. No, 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 no. She's the best Catwoman. By the way, can I just yeah. point out that all the all of the Christmas songs that were written by Jews, none of them are about yeah. Jesus. Isn't that kind of interesting? They're the most popular mm. ones, too. Yeah, yeah. I Which think... songs are those? Uh, most of them. Uh, Walking in a Winter Wonderland, uh, Rudolph, mm. White Christmas, yeah. Silver Bells. Mm. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year, that one. Yeah, that's Santa the Baby. thing. Those are all like written that. by Jewish people? Yeah. yeah. Let It mm. Snow. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, Chestnuts mm. Roasting. Those are the ones I wrote down. Um, as far yeah. as the monstrous feminine all i've got um i don't have anything interesting like you guys are talking about but i've got the mom from gremlins i mean she fucking mercs those gremlins that her domain and i think that that was intentional of course uh she kills that one with a steak knife in the kitchen and stuff yeah exactly steak knife the way she would she would chop up a nice beef or something 
And then microwave yeah. for the other guy. I mean, yeah, you know, she goes full yeah, Conan on those guys, but with kitchen utensils, you know. Mm. Yeah, so utilizing what one would think as like a woman's tool to right. do right. something violent. Yes. Yeah, totally. With Santa Baby, it's really interesting because it is such a weirdly seductive song and such a different yeah. spin on the holiday and what we expect of it. And yeah, I was just gonna say the first time I heard that song was on a Victoria's Secret commercial. So yeah, oh. yeah, it was yeah, a nice, that, it was that. a nice lady, you know, in a in a bra, snapping her fingers and singing it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I also want to talk a little bit about Mrs. Yes, Mrs. Mrs. Claus is. I I don't know a whole lot about her history. When did she come up? And also, like, there's a lot of sexualizing about Mrs. Claus. In my and like from what I've seen, maybe that's revealing of me because I, <laughs> I do think she's a milf. But yeah. <laughs> just saying. Mm. But also, like when you think of her, you think of somebody who kind of fulfills that matronly, uh, that matronly role for Santa Claus. Like she's, that like what is she? She looks over the elves as they produce toys. She bakes cookies for she, for she waits, Santa. She waits at home for her man, you know. Yeah, he's yeah. Working, that's it. Yeah, we need a Christmas movie that's about like Mrs. Claus getting fed up and killing Santa, and then she replaces him. And it could go in any direction from there. Like she replaces him and makes Christmas weird or bad or dark, or she does a great job and she's better than Santa. And Santa was actually a tyrant, and she has better workers' rights for the elves. Like it could go in so many <laughs> different directions, you know. Anyway, um, yeah, I think she's an interesting figure because she kind of, she's sort of like, um, she she doesn't have much of a role in most of, in most media depictions of her. Like, she's kind of just this background character, but there's so much there that you could do with her. Um, on the topic of reindeer, I have my own... Um, I mean, it, it doesn't really compare, but it's sort of in a similar vein as your um, Santa the Molester story, Daniel. <laughs> no! My, I have one that my no. Jewish mother told me, but it was about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I literally was just talking to her about this today. And mm. I, I was trying to shake her down for an answer. And why did you tell me this? And she could not come up with one. She does not remember, <laughs> which is what I figured. But basically, when I was about like four or five, my mother told me, just out of nowhere, she's like, yeah, Rudolph just got killed. And I was like, what? <laughs> no. Yes. She told me so seriously. She's like, yeah. And I think she went into this like whole I can barely remember because I was so young, but she went into like a weird explanation that like I think the government basically had like accidentally killed Rudolph because they nerfed him. Yeah, they like thought it was like a terrorist thing. They saw him flying and they shot him down. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> and she, yeah. Wow. And she told me this whole thing about, yeah, they're saying they're sorry for it, but they killed him. And I was like shocked and stunned. <laughs> And for years after, I didn't really want anything to do with <laughs> Rudolph-related Christmas media because it was a sore topic for me. I thought, this poor guy died. was killed tragically by mistake. <laughs> and um, 
That's so How old were exciting. you when she said I this? was like four or five. I know I could not. Oh my that. god, that's way worse. <laughs> that's... I was. I thought you were like ten, and it's no, like time for you to like give up no. on the on the belief. I know I four had to have been that five. age because it was when we were living in a place that we had moved out of by the time I was six. So I could not have been older than five. Um. Oh and my god. Yeah, and I remember taking it hard because, of course, I was a kid. Yeah. Was like, and she said it. She said it so seriously she's like you would really believe this is a person that at least thought this had happened that had some kind of delusion that this had happened by oh the way gosh. she told it like she said it completely deadpan like isn't this too bad <laughs> like i don't know what to make of this and i was just beside myself and so i just today i brought it up to her i was like do you remember telling me that do you know why you told me that and she's like did i say that i don't remember which is like always her response to any weird thing she did when i was a kid it's like i don't know i'm not sure i don't remember saying it but like yeah, I could my, mother, my, my mother talked like that all the time too and i'd bring it yeah. up to her later and she'd say i didn't say that like it was constant yeah. i had yeah, this lizard and she she was like if you know if you don't behave yourself tonight i will take a hammer and squish that little pet's head and like I asked her later i'm like would you have really killed my lizard she's like what are you talking about you know it's like yeah yeah yeah, I don't know what that. Oh. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Yeah, see, this is what you missed, Mickey, yeah. with not having yeah. a Jewish mother. These were the. <laughs> these are the beautiful memories. Uh, that you missed appar out. Apparently, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of good stuff there that you're just not gonna have experienced, but you can experience it secondhand no. through us. The crying um, shame. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a, a vivid Christmas memory of mine. Um, always a fond one, but yeah. Um. So were the reindeer <laughs> immortal or what? Like that's a good I question. So. Are they mad? Because wow. like, so Thor's magic. Thor's goats are like magic goats. He he kills them, he eats them, and then he uses Mjolnir to bring them back, right? And mm. like, I, I'm very interested in um the Norse connections to Santa Claus, um because mm. like around Yuletide, which was uh the 21st of December, um mm -hmm. ki kids would leave out carrots, they'd leave out snacks for Sleipnir, which was Odin's magic horse that could fly. And Thor's goats, uh, Tanyostir and Tanyostir, which um, Tangrisnir and Tanyostir, you know, they that was, those were Thor's little guys that he would fly across the sky with. And they believed that during Yuletide, they would visit them. You had to be real nice to guests because it might be a god in disguise. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I just wonder if there's something there with the reindeer. Um, Grant Morrison it's thinks possible. so. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't know anything. I'm, you know, I know a lot about Norse mythology. I don't know anything about Santa Claus, but uh um yeah, i suspect that, that because i understand that the uh the actual deer their their names blitzen donner runner whatever um rudolph <laughs> that comes from that yeah that, i don't know that, it comes from a, a poem right yeah that uh a night before the night, the night before right right so i don't it, it doesn't go further right like santa there's no explanation for how Father Christmas or Santa Claus visits every house other than he just does it until that poem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. It's yeah. And it names all the reindeer. We get their names and nothing else really about them. But we do have all their names supplied and the number that there's eight. Oh, um, if you're not including Rudolph, it's eight besides Rudolph. Um, OK, because I was also yeah. wondering about that, because, again, like Odin would fly through the sky on his magic horse, which had eight legs. So, I don't oh, know. that's interesting. That's an interesting. Yes. Connection. Yes. Slepnir has a lot of funereal qualities, uh, one of them being the eight legs, because eight people carry a a coffin. Um, mm, right. Like they're, yeah. They're, yeah, they're being eight 
reindeer. I don't know. I don't know if there's something there. Um, I couldn't find any scholarship on that. There's lots of scholarship on whether or not on Santa's connections to Thor, in particular the color red, which is mm. very significant. Um, some of it's yeah. kind of ten tenuous. Uh, yeah. There's lots of early depictions of Santa smoking, and fire is often associated with Thor, but that's a, that's a reach to me. I don't care yeah. who, wrote, who wrote that. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also interesting that one of the reindeer is named Vixen. I don't know how I feel about that or what I think about it, but I had to point it out because this is Monsters Fun Podcast, so we have to, to mention if a reindeer is named Vixen, we are going to mention it. We might not have anything to say beyond that, but we're going to bring hot. it up. <laughs> um, yeah. But Just yeah. pointing at it yeah. intensely. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe Santa's a Justice League fan. I don't know. Yeah, it's, there's there's a lot of possibilities. It's such a kind of is a weird thing also because like it kind of stands. I mean, like there's not a lot of consistency with the name of his reindeer. We got Dasher, Dancer, Prancer. OK, and then Vixen all of a sudden. Let's like <laughs> throw that just randomly in there. Um, and then Comet, Cupid, Cupid, totally different holiday. Donner <laughs> yeah. and Blitzen. Oh, so Donner like... actually. Don, sorry, Donner is actually um, uh, the German name for Thor. Interestingly, it means thunder. Oh, yeah. Oh. But, uh, See, I yeah. was just sitting here thinking of the Donner party. No. <laughs> that was where my mind went. No, no. The cannibal one. Yeah. So that's another connection that could. I mean, Donner could be a cannibal reindeer. For all we know, we don't know what his deal is. So it could have been a deliberate wink, wink, nudge, that's nudge. True. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, so yeah, there's the reindeer, which is interesting. And, um, I love, I, I think one of the things that's great about Santa mythos and Christmas mythos is that so much of it just seems like somebody that was like really tripping hard on acid, just had a field day coming up with all this weird random stuff. Like there's a guy and he comes down your chimney and you got to leave him cookies, but he'll give you presents and I'll put them under a tree that you bring in your house and he has eight reindeer. <laughs> like, it's just, it's such a weird, the pieces don't really fit together, but it works somehow. And it's just all so, it feels so random and strange. And just like, what a, what a weird ass idea that somebody came up with. Um, So that's kind of great. There's a lot of weird folklore. Yeah. Yeah. That's, in general. Um, yeah. One that I literally just remembered it because my partner Mars and I would, joke about it all the time uh maybe like two years ago is this uh icelandic christmas folklore about the yule lads y'all heard about these boys no i don't think so i'm too jewish so it's they come on the 12th of december and uh they just come to fuck shit up they just come to cause mischief and they're all named things like pot scraper Boon liquor, Wait, sausage, really? sausage swiper. Yeah. <laughs> oh fuck! I I need I need to steal that for a novel. That's amazing. He, the sausage ads. swiper hides in the rafters and snatches snatches sausages that are being. Uh, there's the window peeper and the oh the doorway sniffer. <laughs> Door <laughs> this is amazing. The meat hook. The this is sniffer. Steal meat. This is weird also because like so much of it sounds like vaguely like a kink thing <laughs> to me. Like a door sniffer oh. that sounds like some kind of kink. Sausage swiper that sounds like you're speaking in code there and that's the guy that hooks up with the kid's dance. <laughs> like yeah. that's where my mind immediately goes. There's the, the candle beggar who follows mm. children to steal their candle. Oh. Steal their candle? Yeah, that's, just... <laughs> that, that's dirty too. 
It, yeah. Well, it's it says made of tallow and thus edible. So it's just like, oh my god. I don't know. They just come to cause mischief, and it says that they arrive one by one over the thirteen nights leading up to Christmas or Yule, and they leave small gifts and shoes that children place on windows. Although a disobedient child will instead find a rotten potato in their shoe. So the, and they so just the, come so to the, mess things up. So these guys are like little goblins or something, right? Because they're they're trying to eat candles yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. They're, they're a family. They live in a cave. There's Grilla, the Yule Cat. Huh. Yeah. There's a guy named Stubby who's just short. That's his crime. <laughs> Damn, I feel called out by that. Damn. Oh, oh, the door slammer just likes to slam doors to wake up the household in the middle of the night. Well, that gully is, gully. That is a oh, crime. I like, I like Gully Gawk. He's cool. He hides in gullies. He tries to sneak yeah. into the cow shed and steal milk. What a jerk. Uh, yeah. Man, well, the that's interesting because I've never heard of this before, but that's another one to add to the canon of weird, creepy Christmas characters. We've got Santa. We've got Krampus. We've got the lads. The oh, the Grinch. That's another one that I was going to mention. Um, how? What do you guys think of the Grinch? And also, do either or both of you have thoughts on the Grinch, the Ron Howard Grinch movie? Uh, I mean, I do. I, I love the Grinch. First off, he's voiced by Boris Karloff, who's yeah. you know, I mean, Frankenstein. He's fantastic. Iconic. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I, I find the the uh, Grinch movie. The I, Ron Howard is a hack. First off, but second <laughs> secondly, um. I find that movie hampered by Jim Carrey's performance because a lot of it is pretty great, actually. I just, mm. I find him to kind of, I don't know, he doesn't really disappear into his roles. His kind of like wild man spewing lines kind of takes over and, yeah, you know, I love that. Yeah. I love the outfit, though. I love monsters. I mean, he's a pretty fantastic one. Yeah, I think the visuals of that movie are a lot of fun. It's like yeah. weird, strange. It captures the vibe of the books. It has that Seussian quality, but it also, like, if you're somebody that finds Christmas to be kind of innately creepy and you like that, I think mm -hmm. it's a good movie to watch because it kind of has that vibe of like, it's a, you know, it's a Christmas movie, but it, it sort of is um, a little bit horrific with its visuals and some parts of the movie too. <laughs> but like, that's the fun of it, and it's just goofy. But yeah, I agree. Jim Jim Carrey's performance is, I think, it's one of those things that you either love or you hate, which I think describes how probably a lot of people feel about Jim Carrey in general. Like, you either love him as a performer or you do not love him at all. Um, well, see, I really well, like. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but the the Cat in the Hat movie, uh, it's pretty dreadful. But part of it oh, yeah. is that they're aping Tim Burton pretty aggressively, and it's it's a the wrong venue for that, and b yeah. Well, there there is no focus. Whereas the Grinch movie, as you just said, yeah, it is going for that horrific Christmas kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, and mm. I think it does that. It does that pretty well. I think. I'm curious when, like, I really, which is, I think this is kind of an unpopular opinion, but I'm a big fan of the series of unfortunate events movie that came out in the early 2000s with him in it as count Olaf. a lot of people that are fans of the books which i'm also a fan of did not like the movie i grew up with both the books and the movie and i loved the movie and i thought he was really good in that which a mm -hmm. lot of people also think he doesn't really disappear into that role and i can understand those complaints but for me like i think it works with count Olaf. it's a weird ridiculous over-the-top character and they put so much 
fucking shit on him like so many things that he looks so unrecognizable that to me it works which obviously they do with the Grinch too but like <laughs> it's different there I don't know it's almost like the fact that he looks so disguised almost tampers it more because it's well, like it feels recognizably Jim Carrey even though you're looking at the Grinch I don't know it just doesn't, well, doesn't totally mesh I feel like the Grinch is more composed he's a thinker and he doesn't like all these Christmas yes. jerks that's and that's what it comes point. down to. Like, I also yeah. like the series of Unfortunate Events film. I think it's mm -hmm. a decent attempt. And look, I've been reading comic books for so long, in particular Thor comic books, where each writer knocks over the pieces that the other writer set up and started over, that mm -hmm. I don't even care when new adaptations of things come out anymore. It's like, I see them as distinct. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I they're different characters, is what I'm saying. Count Olaf is, he's this wild diva, really. I mean, yeah, exactly. And he he's he's completely ruthless. Like one of his plans involves marrying a three year old. Like okay, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, those books are wild. But uh, no. no, the 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 Grinch is. I mean, he's voiced by Boris Karloff in that animated thing, and he is. Yeah, he's. I mean, I feel I feel like me and him would get along, man. I mean, that's yeah, the thing. yeah. He's there's something kind of like understated about him, which is goes out the window in the mm -hmm. movie. Like, there's right. no understatement there at all. It's just everything in large caps underlined three times. It's like so, it's a cartoon, and it's Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. and so that that's that's a good point. Mickey, what are your thoughts or feelings on The Grinch and or that movie? So I haven't seen the live-action Grinch. Boo. Uh, I, I think I only saw it once. It's like a little kid. Boo me yeah. all you want, bro. Yeah, you're not missing out on much. Don't worry. <laughs> it's not. A I huge like one. the animation Grinch more. Yeah, the animated Grinch um, is very good. Great. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I, you know. You know, you know. You know. There's a Halloween one, right? There's a Halloween, a Halloween Grinch? Grinch. It's not very long, and it's it, it's kind of bizarre, and I don't really know what to make of it. But it's called a uh, Halloween is Grinch Night, and it's a psychedelic <laughs> trip. It's a good like half hour. Watch it. Halloween is Grinch Night. I've on never heard of this. Wow, that's that's interesting. A little bit of yeah. lore there. There you go. I really like the song. You're a Mr. Grinch. You're as cuddly yeah. as a cactus. <laughs> what a great yes. simile. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. like this guy hates Christmas. He's always being uh, bothered by the who's down in who. And then <laughs> the, there's like a song made about him just nerfing him. The entire yeah. time just telling saying like what a bad person he is. That's yeah. hilarious. Um I I'm a big fan of that movie, but I I think the Grinch is kind of scary. Yeah. To look at. <laughs> I mean he I mean he's he is a monster. I mean he yeah. is. And I yeah. think I think that scared me a lot as a kid, and it still scares me today. There's a couple of uh, movie characters that are like not all that scary but when i see them i have this full body gross out reaction um the grinch is one of them and et mm. is another one interesting that's, fuck et that's... <laughs> also yoda yoda scares the crap out oh. of me yeah yoda's yoda's kind of a creepy little fuck honestly i guess um, you did you did say earlier that you were afraid of gizmo so yeah yeah. I was also afraid of Gizmo. And, like, even as an adult watching the, like, the Gremlins and Gizmo, even as a Mogwai, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna guess you didn't have a Furby. I did have a Furby. Oh, okay. twist. Okay. And I, okay. I did like it. 
Okay, surprise. The way you said that. I did like that. I do feel like I'm one of the only people that actually loved his Furby and like likes playing with it. Like I meet so many people who are like, I was afraid of it. Uh, you know. No, I liked my Furby, but I was afraid of the responsibility. <laughs> like the responsibility of caring for something is far too much. I also mm-hmm. feel that way about like Aqua Pets and Tamagotchi. Like mm. anything that beeps at me to tell me it needs care, I... I can't do it. Like the the matronly guilt within me <laughs> comes out yeah. so bad, and mm. I end up like not sleeping. So I'm like, what if it needs me? <laughs> and that's why I can't be a parent because <laughs> I yeah. failed my Furby. <laughs> oh. yeah. It's interesting with these sorts of Christmas characters too, um, where I feel like. Um, when you're a kid, if you are somebody that celebrates Christmas as a kid, you have that magic for a while. Mm-hmm. It's easy to like look at characters when you're that age, like the Grinch, and be like, what's this guy's deal? Why does he not like Christmas? Like, just have some fun with it. It's a great holiday. But then mm-hmm. as you get older, you can kind of like understand the Grinch's perspective more oh. because then <laughs> you start to, yeah. when, as you start to sour on the holiday and you start to see through the, you see all the cracks and see everything and, you know, the magic and of it is sort of gone for you. And also, I think a similar thing is kind of true with like the scary Santa in a Christmas story. Because like when you're a kid, he's just terrifying. Then as you get older, you're like, you know, I can understand why this guy's pissed off. He has to deal with kids all day. I'd be annoyed, too, if I was having to to deal with all these children. I can kind of sympathize to some extent. Like, you shouldn't be mean to them. But, like, you know, if you have to be around kids constantly and be pretending to be Santa, that would grate on somebody's nerves pretty fast, I imagine. Yeah, I worked at Disney World for, like, a minute. And, like, forget that, man. Forget playing a character. I mean. What did you do? Oh, I, um, I worked as a. I did a few things. I mainly, so I was supposed to be serving food, but then I hurt myself. I like broke my wrist and I ended up being a character um, attendant for a while because I was on restriction. Yeah. What I had, well, part of my job was I had to cut the line and I had to tell little girls like, no, 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 no. Uh, You know, Alice has to go have a tea party real fast, you know? So, you know, the line stops here and you have to come back later. Um, that's tough. So you would have to upset kids. Your job description was make kids sad. Yeah, and I don't like that because you know you are a bouncer for the Disney characters, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, is you needed that. Like, uh, so so spoiler. I mean, most of the characters are played by small women. No, get out of here. I promise. I promise. (laughs) Mickey. Mickey was (laughs) Mickey was exclusively played by little girls, like very small girls. And one of them, actually, I met her on restriction because um, she was playing talk- the talking Mickey, and she operated his mouth with a control that was in the right glove. And she was she did it for so many hours that she lost all sensation in her arm. And Whoa. she was on, yeah. Now, um, where I was going with this, actually, was uh, I was there when a, a little kid ran to Winnie the Pooh for a hug. And Winnie the Pooh was was going to the back to take his head off because Winnie the Pooh was exhausted and needed a drink. And, well, kid knocked Winnie the Pooh over. Winnie the Pooh was actually a pregnant woman. (gasps) It was bad. Yeah, I don't know what the end result of that was, but it looked like there might have been a lawsuit. It was scary. Oh, God. So, like... uh, She was fine. But um, the thing is... The baby was okay, too? I don't know. 
These are details <laughs> I don't have. But the thing is, is like when Santa Claus you was like, lied. you could have said yes. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like to lie because it's like if I lie, Christmas. you can't lie at this time of year. I know. Okay, yeah, Ray, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, Hanukkah Harry already came, but you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he brought me uh. my. You know, he reached into his pocket and got some like you know melted chocolate coins and stuff. Yeah. You know? Pocket lit. Oh, it was great. But uh, no, um, my point was like Santa Claus <laughs> in a Christmas story. He's like, they they're crazy if they think I'm staying past nine. I was like, yeah, that that tracks. That tracks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I liked man. it. I liked it. It was. I, I wish a little bit more of the Chris of a Christmas story was real like that because I liked the movie. I thought it was very well made. But that scene and the scene with the Dakota ring, they were very like cynical in a way I wasn't expecting from that movie. Mm. <laughs> Don't forget to drink your Ovaltine. It was brilliant. It was great. And the little kid, uh, yeah. had, he had his first taste of capitalism, kicking him in the teeth. You know. Mm. And what's what's more Christmassy than that? I mean. Come on. Yeah, I like that movie, <laughs> and then it gets racist at the end, and I'm like, what the fuck? Why'd you have to do this to me? It's such a bummer that all of a sudden they have to trot that out out of nowhere. Oh, with the Chinese? Oh, I, yes, oh my god, I cringed so hard. I forgot about yeah. that. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, really blocked it out. Yeah. That's also a thing in the Gremlins. and It opens with the guy going to Chinatown, the dad, yeah. and he's mm -hmm. trying to sell his inventions, and then... Uh, he he's promised by a little boy like come to the shop that my grandfather owns you can buy anything and the only thing he wants is the one thing that's not for sale because it's too large of a responsibility and then he ends up like kind of underhandedly getting the mogwai anyway and fucking up and then at the end the guy comes back the grandfather and he's like you can't have this responsibility yeah it's great and <laughs> yeah it is but like just also tapping into that white suburbia of like oh it's fine i i still want the mogwai even though it's not okay even though it like, yeah but he, might... he pays like he pays a high price for that though you know a hundred bucks no 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 i didn't mean a literal high price like the whole town gets wrecked because this oh. this dumb white guy <laughs> does a colloquial Right, I'm sorry. I'm so stupid. I'm like a hundred bucks, even in the eighties, that wasn't oh bad. Oh my god, no, no, <laughs> Dan, I'm sorry. It's okay. He, he doesn't. <laughs> oh, I love the characters in that movie because, like, the, the the Chinese grandpa, he has this quiet dignity as this like ridiculous white guy is trying to sell him the bathroom buddy. He's just smoking. Like, the <laughs> that was, fuck do you that was want? Funny. The fuck do you yeah. want? No, you can't have the mogwai. Get the hell out. And like, yeah, he's got this quiet dignity about him, and yeah. I can't believe you thought I meant like a hundred dollars. Oh, he paid a fair market share for that mogwai. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's okay. That's okay. It's okay. It was a thing. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I, you know, I really I, I really, I really forgot about the Chinese people from the end of a Christmas story. I I couldn't believe that was there. Like, holy fuck! Such a like weird random thing to just throw in at the end of the movie, and it's like, damn it, we were all rooting for you. You made it this far. There was not anything really egregious. This movie holds up, and then you get to that, and it's like, oh. Another thing that I really loved. I'm a big fan of theater. I'm a mm -hmm. big fan of ballet. I'm a big fan of Tchaikovsky. Probably mm -hmm. see where this is going. Uh, I'm a big fan yeah. of the Nutcracker. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, and that's I think great because it does seize on kind of a lot of the dark darker 
parts of Christmas. And it's this, I think it does a really good job of like illustrating all the different moods and vibes and angles of Christmas. There's like the romantic components. There's the childlike whimsy and wonder components. There's the wintry components. There's the weird, dark, scary components. The Mouse King, for some reason. Like the, there's so many like strange, iconic, fun characters and moments in that. In that ballet. And um, the Mask King, that's another one of the extended universe Christmas characters. You got, you know, Santa, Krampus. Um, you got the Gremlins. You got the whatever those weird guys that Mickey was telling us about. You got those guys. You got the Gremlins. The Yule lads. They're bad motherfuckers. They're doing bad things, man. <laughs> yeah, and Holy then you got the Mouse King just fucking things up. And nutcrackers um, come into life, you know, like it's just it's weird, it's creepy, it's kind of and it's and it's compelling and it's beautiful and it's fascinating. And I don't know, I love it. So um, I we would see that a lot. We would go to like that every year when I was a kid. So that's a big important part of my childhood as well. Very fond of everything Tchaikovsky in general, but that specifically. Well, I was going to say, we've mentioned Krampus a few times. We haven't yeah. talked about it yeah. much. Yeah, I've been waiting to get into the Krampus discussion, if either of you would like to kick it off. That's a big one. I've been waiting, too. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to I start. I've never seen a Krampus movie. And I don't know a whole lot about Krampus, so I'm here to learn. Well, the Krampus think... movie is pretty excellent. I mean, it should have yeah. won, a, it won a, 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 like an Academy Award for its sound design alone, let alone mm, its, its, its production. It's incredible. Like yeah. when he's jumping and you hear his bells jingling, you hear yeah. his like hooks and things. Yeah, it's great. It's a great movie. Um, I don't know who wants. To I talk almost about... feel oh, just briefly to make. I almost feel like you could maybe watch that, Mickey, because I feel like it's not. It's actually like comedic a lot. Mm -hmm. So the comedy also kind of cuts the tension. So like, I almost feel like you could probably watch. I'm trying to think if there's any like jump scare real like. I've had character, character development. I can yeah. watch scary movies now. You Ooh. should watch it. It's excellent. Yes. Yes. It's excellent. I, I got my medication figured out, so now I can good, watch good, scary good, movies. Good. <laughs> great. Yeah. Now um, I don't have like hallucinations and yeah. paranoia. Yeah. Uh, I I got it all figured out. I'm on one and a half pills, and I'm feeling like a regular person. And I just watched that scary movie talk to me recently, and it was very good. And that was spooky, scary, like big scary. Yeah, well then I think you could handle Krampus, and I think you would have a fun yeah. time with it. It's just I'm watch Krampus. It's a lot of fun, and also I want to give a shout out because like they incorporate even um, like their stop motion in it suddenly with this flashback scene. Ooh, and it's so great! It's such a little perfect little throw to the you know classic stop motion claymation you know specials of years past and i was like damn they really they got it going on in this movie so there's a lot of little also, things like that that are fun anything stop with killer gingerbread men is great i mean <laughs> yeah. stop motion and claymation i think is a great way to it like inject horror into things because it's out of different yeah. frames per second from the rest yeah. of the movie and it looks mm. different and like the texture of it is so different and so of yeah. course it's going to be upsetting in that moment uh claymation has yeah. been used in a lot of scary things and stop motion's lot of scary thing to impart that unease um i think it's really fascinating and i think it kind of taps into like our natural fears as humans like the fears that we've gained over a super 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 long even before stop motion just things moving at a different like frames per second in air quotes than us mm -hmm. like 
like how a spider can move way faster than us. You just want to stare at it the whole time because mm-hmm. it's going to dart off somewhere. Um, and I think that that stop motion really taps into that almost primal anxiety. I have to watch this so I know where it is so it doesn't surprise me. Sure. Yeah. Uncanny, yeah. Uncanny Valley, kind of. Very. Yeah. Really taps into that, and I love it. And I think they they use it in Krampus. Yeah, they do for uh, one specific part of the movie, and it's really, it's yeah, really it's cool. get into that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really funny. well done. It's a really good way to deliver exposition, is what I'll say. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, a movie that yeah. uses stop motion really well for horrific reasons is a uh, Hellraiser two, actually. It's great. Mm. Like there's this scary doctor character who has these knives and like they're on they're on the end of these tentacles and because they're stop motion, they're just jerking around and moving in a yeah. really unnatural way and everything else in the movie is pretty upsetting. So yeah, it really adds a hor- horrific element to it that wouldn't be there otherwise if it was like CGI or something, you know? Yeah, it yeah. just it taps into something and I love it. I was just going to mention the Terminator, the way he walks in the first movie. He's stop motion, mm. too, you know? Mm, yeah, and the thing with stop motion, honestly, is, like, there's just more of, like, a, a, a palpable human connection with it than, like, with CGI. And I think that's mm. also true of hand-drawn animation, is, like, you can feel the human work that goes into it, and there's such a, like, it just feels, it's just more human in that way, where it's, like, you can feel that somebody really, like, crafted this and did this, whereas with CGI, it's just... As, yeah. you know, beautiful CGI can look and as good as it can look and whatever, it also, it just tends to have that sort of, that kind of um, robotic quality. I don't know, where it's like, like a little bit, characters have a little bit of a dead-eyedness, even if they look good a lot of the time, because there's just, I don't know, there's not that same kind of human component that goes into the creation of it, even though there is, but it's, you know, not in the same way, obviously. But, um, yeah, I think that Krampus is really fun. I do recommend it. It's a fun, funny, and also the ending is, like, really chilling, honestly. Mm-hmm. The ending, funny. like, the ending gives me the creeps. I, love <laughs> I don't it. know. It's, it's, a, it's a chilling, creepy ending, and it's a fun time. And I think it's also really good for people that are cynical about Christmas or not, you know, in the holiday spirit. Like, it's a good movie if you're, like, not in the holiday spirit but want to, like, put something on that's, like, tangentially related to Christmas. I mean, it's more than tangentially, but, like, if you're not feeling it in a certain year and you just want something kind of a little bit more cynical to watch and a little bit more, like, it's good for those, for that kind of mood, too. So that's the Krampus movie rant. Um, Daniel, do you have thoughts about Krampus the folkloric figure? Well, yeah. I mean, he he comes across as kind of mysterious to me because, like, mm-hmm. he kind of faded away in certain parts of the world, but not so much in others. And mm-hmm. I've seen a bit about how in some countries it's believed that Krampus is an enslaved... Um, you know, pagan god that has been kind of brought under the power of Christianity. And Santa uses him as an object of punishment to, you know, I don't know, punish the kids who didn't do what they're supposed to do. Um, I find that kind of interesting. Um, Frankly, a lot of this is kind of conjecture, and it's hard to know where one thing begins or ends because it's a bunch of stuff that people just kind of pass on to each other, like like pogs or something. But... (laughs) thing about Krampus is that he's come to America. <laughs> like, we know about him now. Like, Hellboy mm-hmm. fought him in an issue of a comic book. Like, mm-hmm. we have Krampus runs. And 
it's this interesting counterpoint to Santa Claus where like we have Santa Claus, he's happy, he's friendly. And like, you know, I think about the Santa from Miracle on 34th Street. He comes across like Odin wandering around in disguise, you know, mm-hmm. what's he doing? Like, what's he really doing? Like, why is he in New York at that moment? It's it's kind of weird, right? It's mysterious. Mm-hmm. And by that same token, what's Krampus up to? What's his deal? He's a monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there is there is there some greater logic to it? I, I don't really know. Yeah, yeah. I it's interesting also that like um pretty much most or all of the like iconic Christmas characters or even like non necessarily iconic to American people, but like any kind of like Krampus, Santa, all of the ones that we've been discussing for the most part are all pretty much uh male or male coded characters like there's not really any explicitly female iconic christmas characters that i can think of off the top of my head and that's yeah. kind of that's that's interesting sort of the absence of female characters in christmas lore well and i don't really know yeah go ahead yeah is winter ever characterized in female terms i mean i think about how the russians refer to winter as general winter right it's a harsh mm-hmm. cruel nasty season really mm-hmm. and you know, in the poetic terms we tend to describe things, I mean, I mean, hey, I mean, Genghis Khan was male, right? I mean, most of the horrific, you know, butchers of men were male, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's the yeah. Baba Yaga, I guess. I don't I don't really think she's specifically winter themed. Yeah, though. yeah, she's she's iconic, though. We love we stand Baba Yaga on this on this podcast for the record for anyone wondering. Um <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but um, but yeah, there is. I feel like we need more. We need more iconic female Christmas characters, especially if they're villainous, um, or monstrous mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, we need more of those. I'm just putting out, putting that out into the universe. If anybody wants to seize on that, please do. I I haven't really made the connection between creepy and Christmas until very very recently in doing this podcast. Mm. For me, Christmas has always been like a nostalgic kind gentle thing where you're just supposed to like watch happy movies and like eat a bunch of monkey bread Mm -hmm. and open presents and like find the christmas pickle and the christmas tree um like that's it and so i only just recently started delving into the idea of creepy christmas in talking about this with both of you yeah and that's valid i mean i think that that's probably the case for a lot of people um and also reason why we need more we need more christmas horror and christmas creepy stuff in my opinion i wanted to talk a bit about the pagan roots of the holiday i was gonna ask both of you if you had to pick who you think christmas modern day christmas belongs to santa or jesus so (laughs) I don't know. I might have been drunk when I came up with that question. But, um, That's awesome. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say I'm a I'm a, I'll just go first in this. I'm gonna say it belongs to Santa. I think Jesus is passe. I think all the put the Christ back in Christmas stuff is stupid, especially because it didn't originate as a Christian holiday. The Christians co-opted it. It was originally a drunken revelry. Let's have fun. Let's just you know be our worst selves it's the end of the year let's go for it type of thing when it was saturnalia 
then mm-hmm. the Christians had to be like, let's make this Christian. It's like, oh my God, everything <laughs> has to be about that with you people. So far as I'm concerned, I think Santa is more in line with the origins of the holiday. And then it's just this, it's something that anybody of any religion theoretically could get behind Santa. You know, it's not an explicitly religious character thing. It can be tied into religion, but like, for me, it's best when it's just Santa's just some guy. And that's the magic of it. And the beauty of it is he's a fairly recent creation and he's not tied to any one religion theoretically. And so I think that for me, Christmas, if there's going to be one person that I'm going to say it belongs to, I'll say Santa. To me, no, get the Christ out of Christmas. We need to, is what I would say. <laughs> I'm, I'm into calling it giftmas and calling it alternative things. This is, this is also how I justify celebrating it to myself as a Jewish person. I'm like, no, it wasn't originally a Christian thing, and it belongs to Santa now. So this is all my um, eternal monologuing basically coming mm-hmm. out. But for me, you know, and I also, I do also like to kind of find the balance between like celebrating it and abstaining from it and celebrating other like Jewish and non Christmas, non-Christian, non-Christmas, God, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying, non-Christmas, non-Christian things at this time of year. You know, I'm somebody that likes to, I like to go for Chinese food on Christmas Day and kind of enjoy the Jewish things, which, are you familiar with that, Mickey? That Jews go to? I've heard of that. Okay. <laughs> it's the only thing that's open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. I've heard. Yeah, I like to go and get Chinese food on Christmas Day. I did, I, tr- I, for many, many years, I was seeing a movie every Christmas. And then I've kind of stopped doing that because it's so crowded and it's just kind of miserable. But I still yeah. will enjoy the Chinese food. It's a lot of fun. And, um, and of course, I love, I do really love Hanukkah also. I'm a big Hanukkah fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I celebrate that hardcore too. I go hard. I go hard for basically every any holiday that I can. I'm a big holiday person, and I do love Hanukkah. I don't want to neglect it. So you know, I'll just say I have a very beautiful menorah that is, mm-hmm. um, the it's a bunch of different German synagogues. Oh, cool. Uh, like yeah, it's beautiful. I have to take a picture at some point and post it to our Discord. It's really really pretty, and I love it. And I love lighting it, and I find, for me, Christmas never has had any kind of religious connotation. It's always been totally secular for me, whereas Hanukkah feels like, I think just the ritual of lighting the candle, something about it feels more like mm-hmm. sort of a religious tradition in some way, and in general, I'm you know I'm not a religious person, but I do sort of like that kind of ritual aspect and feeling sort of connected to something bigger that I get with Hanukkah, and I don't have that with Christmas. For me, Christmas is just let's open presents and let's have some fun, let's watch some movies, and that's the fun of Christmas for me. But the fun of Hanukkah for me is that there does seem to it feels more like I'm doing something that is actively connected to larger traditions and a past, and I like that. So anyway, that's my little brief overview. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Santa. So, all right, there's there's a quote from Game of Thrones. Um, I, I believe Tywin Lannister says it. He says, "Any man who has to say he's the king is no king." Right? And this keep the Christ at Christmas. I mean, get the fuck out of here. What the fuck are you talking about Christ and Christmas? Fucking dude, a day. It used to be after Thanksgiving they start like having the you know the Santa Claus stuff in the supermarket. Listen, it happened after Halloween this year. I was heartbroken. I was devastated. You know there were the fucking Rudolph uh, plates and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Crit- I have a friend actually. His wife is working in what they call a Christmas village, like a year-round store or shop. I guess it's a village. I don't know. I've never been. 
but they sell like Santa Claus tchotchkes and all kinds of weird stuff like uh, tinsel and I, I don't know Christmas pickles. I don't know what Christmas people buy, but um, the point, my point is that Santa rules the world, and that's just the way it is, man. I mean. Um, that being said, um, I also like Hanukkah. I actually, um, I felt the need to dig into one of my things. Like I wrote this a while back. Um, it seems to me that the story of the Jewish people is one of half remembered, half fulfilled promises, right? Mm -hmm. Um, at least that's how it seems from inside the latka fed belly of Jewish culture, you know, and that's the thing. It's like Hanukkah, like, I agree with you, like, it, it it has nothing to do with Christmas. It just happens to be a wintertime holiday that we have, and yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of taken that place. And basically, I've never celebrated Christmas myself, but it's like Hanukkah, and it's mainly yeah. because like you light the candles, you play dreidel. I mean, we actually had a really fun um, Hanukkah party this past week. Um, I'm you know I I made donuts. And Justin, my boyfriend, he made uh he made latkes. You you know you fry things in oil, mm -hmm. and it was really fun. It was really nice, and we all sat around. We drank. We played dreidel. Our one Polish friend defeated uh, defeated all the Jews there, which was hysterical. <laughs> yeah, you know you know anything about Polish people and Jews? Well, you know, but uh, <laughs> beside the point, of course. But yeah, no, I mean, it's by and large, um. I believe in the 50s, Jews became white people, and Hanukkah was our calling card. It was like, hey, we got a holiday too, man. You know, check mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm actually I'm actually doing Christmas. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, um, no, I have nothing to say. Please keep going. Okay, I'm, I'm actually doing Christmas with my dad because uh, I recently started talking to him, and he only dates non-Jews. It's a wow. thing. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, he uh he's always done Christmas and that'll be a weird experience for me because I've never done that before. Yeah. Um I don't think much of it because it is a secular holiday to me. I mean, I yeah. see the Jesus managers all the all over but I don't know. They just seem very defensive to me. They're like bulwarks against secularism and it's like it's happened yeah. already and it was nothing to do with the atheists or the Jews or whatever <laughs> conspiracy. Yeah. It's just commer it's rank commercialism appealing to the yeah. lowest common denominator. Yeah. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with that. And uh, when Lilith posed that question in our little uh, mm -hmm. podcast document, I was like, fuck, I'm gonna be the edgy one that says like, Whoa. it's not Jesus or Santa, it's capitalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it's really stressful. Because I'm kind of broke right now so I, I feel like i can't celebrate christmas because i can't oh, buy things for people that is a very poignant thing to say i'm too broke to celebrate mm -hmm. christmas like whoa mm -hmm. dude that's how i feel right now like you know i'm beans and ricing it every night my dinner tonight is potatoes like just boiled because that's yeah. that's what i can afford right now i can't afford to give people presents and like gift giving is definitely one of my languages and so I have felt like extra bah humbug this year because I simply do not have the funds to give people presents. And uh, I actually like kind of called out of a Christmas party yesterday because we're supposed to do stockings. And I was kind of feeling under the weather a little bit either way, but I'm like, I can't afford to get five presents this year. Yeah. I and I don't have the time 
to make something for five people. And so I think that as time has gone on, I have seen a big drop in Christmas cheer as the economy gets worse. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, there were lights everywhere and people saying like Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays to everybody. Um, People were ordering more Christmas drinks at the cafe that I work at. Like Mm -hmm. everybody wanted eggnog lattes. Everybody wanted uh, peppermint mochas and stuff. And now this year, like, we've had one dude come in dressed as Santa and he's drunk and just yelling. And uh, that was weird. (laughs) I think he was just fucking with us. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to have a Santa come in and just, like, yell gobbledygook at you, like, not even real words. And then you just hand him a coffee and hope he leaves. (laughs) Like, that's... That's Santa to me this year because nobody can afford shit. Everybody's poor. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 It's and like, like it's like all that amazing shit and and um Scrooge's heart at the end. That's irrelevant. You can't you know you can't afford to do Christmas. Like it's really about buying things. I can't and like I can't afford to fly out to see my partner this year for Christmas. Last year I went to. Uh, New York and Maine and Connecticut to go see my partner and we had a lovely Christmas together it was my first time having a like real genuine Christmas tree like a live Christmas tree I've never had one before because mm. my family wasn't well off enough to have one mm-hmm. we had the same plastic Christmas tree since before I was born and I remember like growing up as a kid and like when I was really little, the Christmas tree was grand and amazing and it was so huge. And then I kept growing and then I was taller than the tree. <laughs> then it, it became very Charlie Brown to me. Mm. Um, and, you know, to make it feel like a real Christmas tree, we would put uh, pine scented car fresheners <laughs> on it <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> to give you like a little look into yeah. what my, my Christmas was like. And I, I, like it's white trash but i'm into it (laughs) and like ever since i moved to canada i'm away from my family which makes it like especially a little hard to celebrate christmas um and like i moved here to be with somebody we had a really breakup and uh, i used to do christmas with their family no longer and so for the last couple of christmases i was getting drunk and cutting out a Christmas tree to tape to my wall out of construction paper because that's what I could afford from the dollar store. Mm. And seeing that like Christmas tree, it's like me trying to get the Christmas joy and the Christmas magic back, but not being able to. And I'm just making like a problem for me later because my cats are going to tear it down. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I don't have any presents to go underneath that. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I think as I've gotten older and as I've grown into this like really poor and like wretched society, I've lost the love of Christmas, which fucking sucks. And I don't mean to be like a Debbie Downer or real Grinch about this, but like that's genuinely mm-hmm. how I feel. And it's like it's like especially poignant this year because uh people are sending me gifts, like I'm getting shit in the mail and I just have to send I'm sorry text. And mm-hmm. uh that's really painful for me. It's really mm-hmm. hard and it's embarrassing. But 
what can you do? And so I've just been telling people like, I'm not doing Christmas this year. So I opted in to work Christmas. So then hopefully I can afford things <laughs> next year. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's really tough. And thank you for sharing. I think that it's interesting because I think it kind of goes back to the Santa on the on in Coca-Cola's advertising and how that like, you know, their version of Santa is what we tend to think of how, how he looks like. That's what kind of invented the modern Santa as we think of him is what Coke did with that character. And so, yeah. so much of Santa and so much of Christmas is tied into capitalistic stuff. And that's mm-hmm. like kind of the sad fact of the matter is you have all this Christmas media that's like trying to promote you know, be good and, you know, be kind and give to others and blah, 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 blah. But, like, at the end of the day, the holiday is really kind of not so much about the values that so much of the Christmas media is trying to convince you that it is. It's so much more kind of, like, it's very materialistic. It's very much a capitalistic holiday, and it's very much about, you know, it's not so much about be good and be giving. It's more about, you know buy stuff and like what are you going to receive this year yeah and, like the clout that comes with it it's funny yeah, that all those unboxing videos yeah mm. that makes makes me think about the tim and eric Krimbus special have either of you seen that you no know, i have not it's brilliant um there's a part there's a song they sing called what am i gonna get full Krimbus, what am i going to get and like one of them looks at the camera and goes, remember Krimbus is about getting you know <laughs> and like yeah, I mean, all that good... See, that that's the thing. Like, I fell into the trap um, at the beginning of my little Christmas uh, movie marathon. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, I was like, yeah, no. Because at the end of the day, like, that Miracle on 34th Street, the Christmas Carol 1938, all that stuff. It's a sales pitch to get you to buy things. Buy things because goodwill to men, right? 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 You with us? You know? Well, that goodwill to men stuff, that, that doesn't even exist, does it? Because that's not good enough. I mean, my friends did reach out and they're like, we just want you to be here. But I felt really embarrassed that I would just be like sitting out while they exchanged gifts. And so um, I said that we'll do something for New Year's. But I mean, there's also a holiday celebrated in Canada and a lot of other countries. Boxing Day. And that's the day after Christmas. And the idea of it is that the the rich give back to the poor. Like they they box up all their leftovers they box up all of the like some extra presents and then they give it to the working class Mm. and now it's just kind of been um it's kind of like canadian black friday and uh it's just supposed to be like a buying holiday like everything is on a steep discount um and i mean that's kind of how it was explained to me when i moved here and how like it started off as something very kind and buying holiday and then also canada does black friday now like american black friday because um they wanted to keep the like all the the commerce and everything on this side of the border because people would go down to the u.s for black friday sales they're like no spend your money in canada that's amazing for black friday and then boxing day and like i don't know man i i guess i've gotten like i've in my last, getting into my twenties, I've, I've definitely gotten grumpier. <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe that will change someday. 
Uh, maybe I will do the goodness to man. I mean, I try to be kind mm. uh, at my workplace and give people extra extra sweet treats. At the end of every shift, I'm like, who wants free donut? I have to throw these away. So, you know, last half hour, who wants a donut? Hand Like, hold out your hand. Mm. <laughs> Here you go. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that the only thing I can really do this year is just try to be a good person and try not to like cringe when people say Merry Christmas or ask me where my Christmas hat is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I have heard of Boxing Day, but I never bothered to actually look into what it was. So I just always assumed it was a holiday that was like about like this was a day where they put on some kind of boxing match that everybody wants. <laughs> <laughs> I um, mean, that, that, yeah, that's I what I thought that. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, you're just you're still now. The rich are supposed to box up all the things that they yeah, no which is need. a really sweet idea. But of course, then everything gets consumerized mm. and turned into how can we make this into a money making holiday, and that is sad, but uh, not unexpected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and yeah. so I would say that that's that's where Christmas is. I I think that the the spiritual magic and then the Santa magic of it is kind of going down the drain a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, it's hard to argue with that, but yeah, and I think that that's there's a lot of good reasons to not be into Christmas or to not feel great about celebrating Christmas or to just like I mean, there's as you get older, then, like I was saying, like you empathize with the Grinch more and more. Because at first, when you're a kid, you're like, totally. how could anybody think poorly of this holiday? And then you get older, and you're like, mm, I get it now. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing as you age to kind of to come to those realizations. But I did want to also talk about New Year. This is our last yeah. podcast episode before the New Year. And, um, yeah, it's... I, I love New Year's. Yeah, it's interesting. New Year... New Year's was always a holiday I did not care about as a kid. I was very into Christmas, did not care about New Year's. And now as I've gotten older, it's kind of changed. And New Year's has more meaning to me because, you know, it's this idea of like, you know, in the next year I want to do this and I want to do that. And, you know, I also could never stay up till midnight as a kid. I was very bad. At, I could not stay up late at all. So that was basically I always associated it with failure. I was like, I tried to stay up till midnight every year on New Year's Eve and I could never do it. And I was frustrated me to no end so it was always like this holiday that i really had kind of animosity toward but uh now that i'm an adult it's it has more meaning and i think of it and you know bigger terms than that and like i like the the hopefulness of new year's i think is one thing that's really nice about it as you're kind of entering in a new year and kind of thinking about what do you want to carry into this new year what do you want to leave behind what do you want to do differently this upcoming year it kind of gives you a lot of room for reflection which is nice and introspection so I do think as I've gotten older, I've gotten much more into New Year's Eve and it's a lot of fun on New Year's Day. And um, I'm curious about if what you two are planning, if you have plans, how you feel about the holiday. Um, who should I start with? Do you want to go, Daniel? Uh, sure, I can go. Um, New Year's. I've been I've been pretty good about keeping my New Year's resolutions. That's a big thing for me. Um, cause obviously you're starting off the year and you want to have a focus. Um, mm-hmm. years back it was finish the novel and I'm at a point where, you know, I've written several and I'm pretty happy about that at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, 
I don't know. I'm I'm in such a weird headspace these days. I feel like the world ended in 2016 when Bowie yeah. died and <laughs> Trump became yeah. president. And it, we're all just living in like the afterbirth. I mean, it's whatever. Yeah. Coronavirus, yeah. coronavirus. Yeah. I mean, I could, yeah. I could. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I'm much, I'm so much more creative and not, not just creative, but productive than I used to be. I used to struggle to finish anything. Now, like I'm writing novels. Um, like I'm getting done. Like I'm building like an entire audio thing in my basement here. Um, it's great. And personally, I mean, I, I, I'm thinking about writing a choose your own adventure novel set in my Demon Land universe. Which Ooh. I know it sounds really exciting, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, beyond that, though, I mean, the really important thing is I really want to get a handle on marketing this year because. I used to say editing separates the... I'm sorry to use such gendered language, but it separates the men from the boys. Mm-hmm. Now I say marketing separates the men from the boys because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. It's like, hard, yeah. It's really hard. And it's like a lot of people in the you know the independent uh, publishing scene, they're like, just write the next book. It'll sell the last, the last three. And I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> it's this Ouroboros of failure, but... By the same token, I'm writing and I'm happy for that. And that's kind of where I am. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any deep thoughts. I don't know what more I could really say about it. It's the new year. Yeah. And uh, Mickey, so I know you said that you love New Year's. Um, What are your thoughts and any plans for this year? So New Year's for me is uh, like a very spiritual time. Like I really tap into my my spiritual work during that time. Mm-hmm. I really like to spend time um, like making wishes for people and praying for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like to uh, like come up with new sigils that represent my wishes for myself, things that I can draw that that mean something to me. Um, I like to do tarot readings during this time of year because I feel like there's so many opportunities and there's all this excitement about what the future can hold. And so I think that there's a lot out there that's wanting to share what the future may hold. And I think that setting goals for the new year is really exciting too. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing that I've come up with that I've done every year, even if I haven't like leaned into spiritual side or not, is this idea that the first meal you eat in the new year is going to define how your year goes. Um, and so I like to fast from midnight until whenever my first meal is. It could be 1230. It could be like midnight the next day. It just depends. Um, and so if I want my year to be like really luxurious and like full of nice things, then I'll make myself a luxurious meal. Or if I want it to be sweet and gentle, then I'll have like cake and coffee, some of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that started because I had <laughs> a really bad New Year's party and I was hungover as hell. And I went to a conveyor belt sushi place and got food poisoning. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the entire rest of the year was shit. And I'm like, <laughs> Maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah. I started my year off like barfing in a public restroom <laughs> with a migraine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the next year I made a decided point. Like I'm going to buy my favorite cake in the world, which is an angel food cake with strawberries. I'm going to brew myself a really nice cup of coffee. 
and I'm going to sit and look out the window and listen to my favorite music, and I'm going to take the time for me. And then I had a really good year that was very, like, like thinking deeply about where I was in life, uh, very reflective, reflect, reflecting, yeah. Um, and so that's something that I encourage my friends to do. And so this year, I'm not going to be hosting like a let's get crazy drunk, let's watch the ball drop kind of party. I'm inviting people in to do tarot readings for them. And for I'm going to invite them to take part in my spiritual practices if they would like to by writing a wish and burning it, kind of sending it out into the universe and uh, wearing red to, to ward off any evil spirits or uh, evil energies and to just like take something with them that's going to like take something from the moments that we share that might help them throughout the rest of the year. Because really that's what New Year's is to me is wish making. Mm-hmm. It's a time for rebirth and for wishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love New Year's. Yeah. I go crazy. That's cool. Yeah. Mickey, yeah. is your is your approach to magic uh psychosomatic? Uh what do you mean by that? Um, in that like you believe that by making sigils and so on, it'll cause you to do things, or is it more mystical than that? Uh I would say yes and no. Okay. Yes, because um, I'm a huge fan of uh, the placebo effect. Mm-hmm. Huge fan mm-hmm. of it. Love tricking myself. My mm-hmm. favorite thing in the world. I will eat so many sugar pills if I think it's going to help. Mm-hmm. Um, I will put a Band-Aid on anything <laughs> if I think it's going to help. <laughs> and so I, I do think that sigils are kind of a placebo for me. That because I created it, because I draw it, it's going to make me think about what I wish for more. Mm-hmm. And I think if you think more about something that you want, you're going to start thinking about how to get what you want. Okay. And so then you're going to develop more. But I also think that putting energy towards something by drawing it, by burning it, by like um, carving it into like a rubber block and stamping it places, um, that's me putting energy towards my wish. And mm. if I put enough energy towards it, I don't know what the magic number is or what the magic amount is, but hopefully then something up there, out there, will reflect that upon me and say, hey, thanks for giving so much to this. Here's your wish. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a lot of my wishes are things that like I have to participate in, like writing. Right. Mm-hmm. I have to do that. Right. But it's, if it's I put the wish out there... Right. Exactly. If I put the wish out there, maybe inspiration will come to me easier. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that that's definitely what it means to me. Um, yeah. But also, I know that there's a lot of skepticism around like mysticism. Uh, and so if I ever come across a skeptic, I just say, I'm placeboing myself and I'm really happy about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. are you mad? It's just for my brain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how I see it, too. I used to describe it as um, um, psycho-spirituality, but I've kind of moved away from that. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good term for it. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's what's, what's appealing to me as a skeptical person, is I like the idea of sort of kind of exactly what you were saying, Maki, about like 
having it be it's like partly kind of a placebo thing and like also then sort of a setting your intentions thing and like kind yeah. of you're putting that energy toward that and then also you're sort of you know power of positive thinking it into existence a little bit but then also you're you're willing yourself to i want to spend energy on this so it's a little bit of both and i think that's what kind of makes it magical <laughs> i have to i have yeah. to use the word what makes the magic magical um <laughs> you know but yeah that's that's really cool and that sounds like a really fun way to spend new year's eve um and i'm jealous and i love the idea of the first meal i think that's a really that's really cool and really beautiful i never thought about that and I, I think that's a really interesting tradition what are your new year's plans um i don't know i might I might watch When Harry Met Sally because I do love the final like New Year's scene. It's so good. Mm. Um, and so I might do that and I'm probably just gonna I don't know, I tend to usually just like drink a lot of Martinelli sparkling cider. Like, Yo, Martinelli. Yeah. That's the way. Yeah, it's so good. I drink too much of that and um get a tummy ache yeah and i kind of i never really do much except like plan what i want to do in the upcoming year and like write down my goals for the next year so that's like my big thing is to set those things and then just drink martinelli's and watch stuff until it's midnight and then rejoice <laughs> so my plans are significantly less interesting but that's what I <laughs> be doing um and maybe tossing some booze at some point too but yeah. yeah so that's that's the those are the tentative plans uh what do you think you're going to be doing daniel uh most likely drinking uh yeah. probably not see last year i tr we tried to find um dick clark's rock and new year's thing and you know he died he, he didn't get his elixir one year and he died so <laughs> we couldn't find it um we couldn't even find ryan seacrest so that would that sucked but honestly uh, me and justin are probably just going to be at the house drinking hopefully i'll be working on something and yeah, I mean, we used to go to a club every night, every new, every night, every New Year's. <laughs> every night. Uh, I know, right? Freudian slip. Man and Justin I, going hard. Man, I, man, I wish, but uh, no, no. <laughs> in, all, in all honesty, like the whole going to a club and having a, uh, a New Year's kiss, it's kind of passe to me. I mean, I just don't yeah. care. I've never cared, you know, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to watch the ball drop because who cares? Um, yeah. I don't know. Do we have any um, weird or creepy Christmas stories to wrap things up, like real life Christmas stories that happened to you? I'm guessing probably not, but I'm throwing it out there just in case if either of you have any. Um, one year, my dad didn't want to watch a Christmas story, and he didn't want to watch Die Hard. And, and you so killed we watched we watched True Grit. Oh, interesting. <laughs> That's not, and it's, he didn't tell me it's not a Christmas movie. <laughs> you were waiting for Santa to show up in this I would, western. Yeah. That's and I'm great. like, there's horses dying. <laughs> there's scary stuff happening. Where yeah. the fuck is Santa? It's not even winter time. <laughs> and uh, it was a very sobering evening. <laughs> like, all of us just kind of sitting on the couch watching True Grit together. Man. Um, yeah. And, uh also not a creepy story but a weird one um one year when it was just my dad and i uh he woke me up with uh <laughs> two shots and eggnog and a christmas joint 
and we went downstairs and smoked together. And then I was truly, truly blitzed out of my mind. And he's like, now it's time to watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Like the most uh, emotionally taxing Christmas movie ever. <laughs> and I was couch locked because I was so messed up. And it was, I just wept openly like the entire time. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I stopped doing Christmas joints with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I can't trust him to not put on fucking true grit or. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful life. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our dark December episode of Holiday Horrors and that you'll come back for more. In the meantime, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Instagram at monstrous underscore femme. You can also support the show by rating it and or leaving a positive review, which would be very kind and much appreciated. Until next time, stay monstrous. Stay monstrous.